0: Welcome to the Nameless and Nameless Podcast.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: As always, my name is Charlie Barley, and I'm here with uh, old Pastor Bill.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: Pastor Bill, do you have a favorite Bible verse?
1: So, Charlie, I really have a hard time. Um, I'm not one of those that will say, oh, I I love them all, Charlie. I I can't pick one. I I just don't have like a favorite verse. I I really don't. Nothing stands out. So what are you gonna you gotta pick something? Well, I'm picking one randomly. All right, go for Uh, it. Let's see where it it is. is. As you know, this this is our first Christmas together. I know it's really
0: special. Actually, I know it's it's, (laughs) it makes me feel happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, so I got you a German Bible, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, what did you pick out now? Randomly, Catholic.
1: Um, let's see. uh, Second Chronicles fourteen. Okay, well, I can tell you right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Chronicles is going to be a little dry, just to say the least. So, fine, um, fine. If you want to get something a little juicier, though, in German, it's chronic. Oh, excuse me. Is Doctor Dre involved, or Uh is it uh, (laughs) anyway? Fine, fine, we'll do we'll, do, we'll do Psalm forty nine. Alright, go for By it. By the way, this is you know,
0: on this nameless and nameless podcast. You know, we don't we don't really have a goal. Not really. Today we did decide on a couple topics, but uh, you know, we're just a bunch of silly gooses. Uh-huh. Um So anyway, so yeah, uh this is Psalm forty nine auf Deutsch. And some there Zonakora for singen nach der Weiser Jugend. <laughs> So do you, can
1: you translate that now? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, seems a little, um, I mean, the sound was good. Uh, the sound.
0: S- Psalm of uh, the Sons of Korah. Okay. Uh, 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 sing for uh, the Faisa, Faisa, Faisa. God damn it.
1: I don't think that's in there at all. <laughs> I'm just
0: thinking well, that's why no one reads it. <laughs> oh, what is Visa? I forget. Uh like the young Visa, Visa. Ah, uh, that's a never mind. Um Hear you uh all you people, mark it uh mark this uh time in your life. Uh in important people and something Right, on I guess I'm terrible. That I was gonna
1: say it sounded good. I don't know why I opened it. I was this. gonna try to I was gonna try to look it up just so we could kind of read along with you. But um maybe we don't need to look up visa. Visa? Alright, I'll do it <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, I wouldn't know where to begin.
0: Uh I should have brought the Jake Dictionary.
1: Let's see, maybe this, it'd just be as easy. Looking? I'm sure, I'm sure this is riveting at this point. Don't worry, folks. Uh, it, it only goes up from here. We're gonna get into porn mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> here. Okay, so were you starting at verse one? Is that where you see. were? All the way, okay. So, so here's, here's the translation I have. Um, although I don't know how far you went. So, I've got verse one, hear this, all peoples. Oh, zonakara. oh. give ear. All inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. und Herren, miteinander. Okay, so now verse 3. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Well, that's verse 4 in this one. Ah, okay, okay. And then verse 4. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre mein mund soll
0: weiß weißi reden und was mein herz sagt soll verständig sein mm. ich will einem spruch mein ohr uh, neigen und mein rede soll wort tun beim klang
1: der helfer mm-hmm, 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 mm. <laughs> it sounds poetic it goes on to those say why should i fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. That takes us all the way to verse 9. Oh, we suddenly turned into Spanish? Wow, I I
0: turned off for a second there. Okay, all right. I'm scared, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it working? Yes. Maybe,
1: yes. Maybe this is a... I mean, let, let's finish. What, what, what does it say there up to verse nine? What do you got? <laughs> this is lame. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a nice segue yeah. into what we're actually talking about, though. Uh, right? Instinct. I mean, you have got yeah. a couple of different topics here, but thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think this might be a segue. All right. All right. So start, do your... Oh, boy. Six... Four to nine. Okay, all right. Uh, Four, I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of a liar. I'm sorry, start with the why. Yep, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit warum sollte ich mich fürchten in bösen tagen wenn
0: uh, wenn mir die missetat meine widersacher die umgibt uh, die ich verlassen aufhabe und gut und pochen auf ihr im großen reichtum kann doch keiner einen anderen auslösen
1: oder für in I feel like this was something we heard from Emperor Palatine in uh, <laughs> in the most recent Star Wars. It, uh, it makes about as much sense <laughs> as him being there in the first place. Why don't we start there? <sighs> we should talk about Star Wars, Wars
2: a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
0: yeah. So uh, you know, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh,
1: you had the opportunity to see it, right? Indeed, I did. Yeah. Uh, and so did you as well? I did. I did. I did go. I I will, I'll admit, I uh, don't know much of the Star Wars
0: mythology. Why anthology. not? You, you, you I,
1: deem yourself some sort of nerdy boy. But, you know, I mean, like when I was a kid, of course, I'd seen all the uh, first, well, the episodes four, five, and six, because... And then uh, as, uh, when my kids were uh, younger, I saw Episodes 1, 2, and 3. Yes. And uh, so I have not seen 7 or 8 and okay. just jumped right into apparently 9. And it was like I had not skipped a beat. So I felt pretty really? good. How well, How is that? I mean, I know I'm missing parts. Like, I, I'm sure there's stuff missing. But I'm just, how do you go from but...
0: uh, Revenge of the Sith where Anakin, no! How do you, like... Were there any pieces that
1: made sense?
0: I'm
2: I mean, not. I'm like, not
1: saying things you recognize. I mean, there were characters. Obviously, I'm like, who's Finn and why is he here and why does anybody care about him and why is he in love with this Ray person and all that. I mean, there was stuff I didn't understand there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Chewbacca. They referenced him being 250 years old and all that. So I mean, that kind of all makes like I get all that stuff. I don't know if maybe some of the storyline. There's probably some gaps in there, but ironically, the storyline is pretty much the same. Good versus bad. Good wins. I, don't I mean, know. that's that's a major simplification of the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um. <laughs> Charlie, why don't you tell us the real storyline for those of us who uh, you know maybe don't know it so well?
0: Well, I mean. Jar
1: Jar Abrams.
0: Oh, here we go. <laughs> Jar Jar <laughs> Abrams. Nice job. Um, mm. he, his first uh piece, The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. It was just a major recreation of Return of the Jedi. Okay, or not. Um, sorry, A New Hope. Uh, where th- as far as like the plot devices, um, and just the character dynamics, it was exactly the same. Uh, but this time instead of having an empire around you that, like, George Lucas didn't need to explain all the dynamics of the empire in A New Hope because that was kind of the intrigue. You're introducing the audience into this brand new universe of creativity. And so it's like, you can give him a pass on that, that you don't explain what Darth Vader is. By the time you get into episode seven, though, uh, if you're just going to recreate the empire but in a in a dollar general version you should explain where that came from and i in a way they did but it was essentially just oh no their leader or second in command is
2: uh han solo's
1: son
0: yeah
1: I, i i will say i the one thing that confused me in uh, in the movie, so when um, when uh, Ben, he's no longer Kylo Ren at this point, okay. So when Ben Han turns and yes, uh, the ghost of Han, the ghost of Han turns up. Well, the memory of Han will even say because he was in his head or something, okay. But, Which, as we know
0: from the start of the movie, where uh, where Palpatine says, "I am every voice you've ever heard in your head." So was Han uh, a projection?
1: That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, um, but uh, that's yeah, really I don't think JJ point. did either. Yeah. So, but as as Ben is uh, resurrecting Ray, and then they look at each other and they kiss, I thought they were like brother and sister, and I was like, "Are we doing the <laughs> whole like?" I thought, "Is this which the that whole would be a good Leia callback too?" Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, "Ah, oh, come on! Like this is really so." I, I, my son was sitting next to me. I kind of nudged him. I'm like, "Okay." What's the family lineage here? Like, help me figure this out, because it, and it did confuse me. you know, I was like, okay, so Ben is Han and Leia's kid, and then Ray. Well, then he said Ray didn't know where she was from, right, or something well, like. No,
0: they they t- they talked about this earlier, <laughs> where she's Palpatine's.
1: Yes, yes, but I'm saying like, but she didn't like. Anyway, where she didn't. Right, know. that they they say that before well, they kiss. Palpatine. Yes, Palpatine. That's how she figures out, right? That she's the granddaughter of she's. Well, Palpatine's, Kylo tells her, right, that she's yeah. Palpatine's granddaughter, but still, like I thought, somehow which makes no sense in the in the mix of it all that because these two were like, you know, the the two sides of the Force coming together. I was like, oh, so the be brother died. and sister, yeah. I didn't realize that they'd just be random people, but that's why the kiss kind of threw me for a loop, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, well, so we're doing this now,
0: which even let's go to it. Uh, so Palpatine. He becomes the emperor because he was originally the senator from Naboo. Mm-hmm. Uh now it, I guess you know I I might be a little more in tune with with some of the Star Wars stuff a little than, more than the tune. average person. A little more in tune. Well, I mean that's a detail that's in the movie. So if you <laughs> that that's in Phantom Menace episode all right, 1. All right, all right, all right. Palpatine is the senator from Naboo. That's right. Uh, queen Amidala is the queen, which is below the senator. And uh, the whole reason they have that war on the planet is because of the uh, the trade federation, which is being manipulated and dealt with by Darth Sidious, who, as we learn later, is <laughs> Palpatine. <sighs> uh, so, you know, that's, that's a lot of talking. But the reason that Palpatine is the senator from Naboo is because he was born there and as part of the political nobility so the fact that he would just have a kid either the father who mother who i guess it doesn't matter let's not talk about that at all that live on this remote desert planet that
1: doesn't make any sense no, they 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 would be a wash in luxury okay so i didn't that i was curious about that so i I thought that maybe that was something I was missing. Uh, obviously, I didn't understand the storyline of why he had a granddaughter in the first place, <laughs> um, and why they were in this really remote area, and why then, of course, he was, you know, trying to get this. I mean, I, I guess I understood why he was trying to bring Ray back to him yeah uh, as a as because a if you kill me i'll
0: i'll take over your body, but i can't do that if someone else kills me like kylo did when i was Snoke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for some reason he almost it, it, it everything himself. is proceeding almost as i have foreseen like, like cookie monster after a while when we was talking <laughs> but but it really um it, it, you're right so there's there's a kind of a gap i mean maybe uh maybe that's unimportant who the, well, the kids were, but well, it seems is, like it
0: was important because, and that's kind of what made the original star Wars interesting was because like those details were at least somewhat thought out because they mattered. Yeah. Within that universe, within that script, it, it kind of did. It, it was important who came from where. And if it, you know, if it wasn't important where Mace Windu came from, they're not just going to throw in like his
1: grandma has cancer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, well, that's a good point. Like,
0: they're just... I mean, there was definitely was a lot of fat that could have been trimmed off of the prequels, definitely. But there wasn't just useless storytelling.
3: Uh, just I don't know. I, I know some
0: people would have some arguments with that. On, But th- there's so much subtext that you can look into with those movies. And they're telling, like, such a... Such a a really intriguing story about both coming of age as a teenager. Uh, You know, Anakin struggles with, like, how do you be a man? And, I mean, what? The Jedi Code, the Jedi Order is all about suppressing your emotions and having control, whereas the Sith is about embracing those emotions and controlling the Force. Uh, And so for... I I I have a lot of opinions. But without any of that intrigue the i mean the the universe the star wars universe is completely numb it's just it's pointless and that's what disney did where it's just like there's no urgency at all with with the empire it's just like even you going in was was did they build up any suspense? So it's like, oh boy, if Palpatine does take over, this would be bad. Yeah. Like, d- did it matter? It didn't feel like it he just did. has this fleet yeah. of, th- you know, a trillion Star Destroyers just rise up out of the water somehow. Yeah. That's pretty much what it seemed like happened anyway. And uh, my, like, well, and even <laughs> they had that fucking time window at the start where mm. in 16 hours he's gonna invade all the planets. Yeah. And Somehow, Ray is able to go to four different planets in that time frame, have this huge personal journey, and her and everybody else get to the planet before even
1: a single ship has gone to destroy a system. So, I just have a question, though, about the Force. Can you experience no fatigue when you have the Force in you or something? Uh, I, I mean, I'm curious, because, you know, like, I mean, we're human. Uh, Yes. So we know our bodies can only do so much before we either get tired or need another beer or something like that to keep us going. Right. And they just didn't seem like they ever needed to stop to eat or drink or replenish. I mean, and so you've got Finn and Poe and Ray running around the galaxy with C-3PO. And, yeah, uh, I mean they're yeah. just going crazy. I forgot about that entire. F- you know, and it's it's like they're just going nuts all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like, how can they keep this up? I would have been exhausted. A space. Uh, granted, match. I'm not in you know super well, duper fit, you know, but I would have been exhausted. Well, Poe used to be a spice runner, so you know. Oh my god, what is that stuff? by the way? It's drugs, Drugs, right? Yeah. So, but I didn't understand that. So what Han whole, Solo was? Yeah, but I, I just didn't understand where they they kept. They kept, they kept like referring back to Poe as if he was Han Solo, and that's what I was. Were they doing that on purpose? Oh, well, you know, they trying to make it like he was some kind of recreation of him, or yeah, but
0: yeah, he was also mixed with Luke because he's he flies the X wing. Um, Oh, that was weird. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I mean, every all all of the new Star Wars characters are just placeholders for things that people were familiar with because they didn't even though even though they're the number they're the largest production house the world has ever seen have more resources as far as putting together movies and visual entertainment than than anybody's ever seen they can't come up with something um that's original that that makes you interested given i haven't watched the mandalorian at all I, I actually I went into Rise of Skywalker. Is that a, is
1: that a movie? Like, is that the one right before? There's a show on oh, Disney Plus.
0: Oh, okay, but I went into I I went into this knowing it was going to be my last Star Wars thing, and that was a huge deal for me. But why is this the last one then? What's the? Just because this was the the ninth in that specific timeline of the the Skywalker saga, as they call it. Uh-huh. Um. And be I I,
2: hmm.
0: I loved that universe so much <laughs> and I know this is this is insane, but when Disney bought it, they uh, one of the first things that they did was say that all of the expanded universe, which was all of the novels, the games, um, comic books, all of that, none of that is Canon, which in a way, I can understand because why would you want to bring all of that on? Mm-hmm. But now, like the way things have gone, is such a harbinger of what was going to happen and just symbolically, I think what it means to Star Wars as a, a vital piece of American culture. Right. Because George Lucas, he allowed people. <laughs> Oh, bunch of hoodlums outside the door. Uh, he, obviously, he created his own uh, thing, his own universe. Yeah. And he took chances as a director to get that movie in theaters in the first place. No one expected it to be as big as it was. And even though he, well, he did retain the merchandising rights, and one of the things that he, that he did was encourage people to create within that universe, write books. Make action figures, make uh, um, make different stories, like do adaptations, and so that's why, uh, like, there's an entire culture of remakes of the movies or like recuts of the prequels. They're like, I think this would be better. I think this would be better, and they're it. They're pretty fascinating. They like they do make. They're each interesting in their own way. Sure. Uh, There's you know hundreds, if not thousands, of different novels that are spinoffs or like different storylines that explain certain parts. And Lucasfilm, LucasArts embraced those. Like when they were good, he encouraged people to be creative and to use that strength and to build on something that they loved. And Disney to just say like, well, no, we're better than all. You losers sit in your basements. You're probably white. (laughs) Um it's just so annoying. well it's like they,
1: it is almost like they brought in their formula, you know, it's yeah. like whatever their formula is, they just brought which, it in. Which is
0: just nostalgia. Yeah. And they, like they could have accomplished the same exact things if they had just taken, I don't know, let's say the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Because he starts exactly at the same point uh in the Empire as or I guess he starts a little earlier. Um But you can make some small adaptations to adopting that into a screenplay. Hmm. And not only would you get the exact same crowd who's like, oh, I remember this. This is fun, but I don't really care about any of the rules of it. Right. (laughs) And you would also bring in people who really deeply appreciate what that universe means. sure, And do it justice artistically. Yet they spent more money – And made a far inferior product by I don't know, just hubris of we know.
1: I and and it's just so I think when you and I were talking about this, this is one of the struggles I know I had. I mean, as a kid, of course, I mean certain characters were the reason, you know, that you would watch it, you know, and and and, or that you identified it, I guess I should say. So Luke Skywalker and, and Princess Leia and Han Solo. And seeing them come back to life, in a sense, in this film, was a little bizarre for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really had a hard time with uh, Leia being a Jedi Master suddenly. Yeah, uh, that did make sense. That kind of just seemed like it came out of, I mean, I, I'll say left field, but I think it was even further away than that. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it just came out of nowhere. It was a UFO. And, yeah, it just dropped down. Uh, who else? So then you've got... Well, and like you and I were saying, I mean, Luke... It it kind of made sense that he came back as Ghost Jedi, you know that that was cool. Uh, except then uh, one of the weird inconsistencies he could actually pick up a lightsaber. Yeah. So why then didn't the other Ghost Jedi's come out and actually help Ray? Except that of course, well, you're, we're all in you, Ray. We're all with you, yeah. Ray. Well, which but I now don't want to kill you Ray and I mean come on it's like that's help her fight if that's the case which and, and then even cuz I
0: think maybe people would argue that the, that the suggestion is that The Force or whatever, one thing or what? And so the Jedi were using that against Palpatine because he said he is all the Sith, which meant I mean, let's just do a side away here. Wasn't it such a great interaction with "I am all the Sith"? I'm all the Jedi. I'm all the Jedi. Oh (laughs) no! Now you blow up and die. Even though Uh. ten minutes ago you said if I killed you, you'd invade my body and
1: rule the entire galaxy. (laughs) But I killed you, so now you're. Dead, uh, I know, God, I know it was that was weird, and then it was also so. When we go back to Han Solo, too, you know, and he somehow converts uh Kylo Ren back to Ben miraculously by being, a, by being a nice dad. I mean, I and but even there, I'm looking at Han Solo, I'm like, okay, so this, this, I mean, at this point, he'd have to be in it. I mean, I know he's so Kylo dad, like killed him, right? Earlier. But I'm just saying, like, at this point, though, I'm looking at his age, right? Harrison Ford as an actor. In his seventies, maybe early seventies, late sixties, and I'm not like, not that much of a nerd. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, this just feels wrong, right? It doesn't feel there's not this father son bond. They didn't build that up at all. It just kind of here's your dad, you know, yeah, and he's and trying it, to convince you to be your yourself again. And
0: it wouldn't have been any better had you seen Force Awakens because yeah. it was pretty much that, like the conversation they had there. Not verbatim, but very, very identical to what they did in Force Awakens before. Uh, before Kylo ignited his lightsaber and Han slowly walked into it.
1: <laughs> so why did why did Kylo kill his dad in the first place? What well, was he was he there? was
0: trying to prove himself to Grand or Supreme Leader Snoke. Oh, who Palpatine cloned and was using it as a puppet, and that Kylo killed in the last one but then palpatine didn't invade kylo's body to rule the
1: galaxy with this massive (laughs) some of this will give me a headache just thinking about trying to see i can't go that far into it but (laughs) but the uh so okay so kylo kills his dad um to prove himself his dad then comes back shows him some kind of grace or mercy because he's still his dad you know I just don't. He was know that... a deadbeat dad, though. Well, but that's what I'm wondering because that does seem to be kind of the underlying part of that. Um, as as they're having as they're having this one sided discussion, and Kylo says you're just a memory, you know. That, so the underlying current is basically not that what's looking at him face to face is you're just a memory, but rather quite literally you know, I... he's just a memory, you know. I'm insane. Yeah. So I I didn't I really could have I could have done without that. I could have done without. Um, the Mark Hamill kind of looking off in the distance like he was some kind of... And again, I get it, Master Jedi type thing. I don't know, man. I mean, we can do so much with CGI nowadays. I mean, we could have made it look so much better. Uh, <laughs> it could have been more believable. But I think they were giving all these stars, these cameo roles. And I, I'm just not sure that it was necessary for the story. You know, the the Hamill one probably was more helpful it made more sense just well his
0: role was pretty significant yeah in in the previous movie
2: oh
1: and he that's where he had died was the movie directly before this oh so that so when they were on the journey right they were trying to find where he had stopped right where luke skywalker had stopped searching and that's where they ended up on that planet and yeah so what ultimately killed him then what was the deal with that oh christ Because I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious. Well, so at the start, he didn't want to
0: train Ray because the Jedi have to die, the Jedi have to end, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is
1: Luke Skywalker saying the Jedi have yeah, to end.
0: Yeah, doesn't that take you by sh- surprise? That's a little interesting. They definitely changed him up. Mark Hamill wasn't happy about it. Yeah, okay. Um,
2: hmm.
0: But he played the role because he's a goddamn man. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so... You know, one thing leads to the next. And he... So the Resistance ends up being, like, trapped in a base that looks a lot like Hoth. Okay. And it's all white like Hoth, but conveniently they have a guy in the trench go, Salt! Literally! Okay. And it's very much like that. And then, uh, so then they have this fleet of at walkers, ATSTs, and, um, Kylo Ren's in one of them, and they're about to go storm into this fort, and then Luke Skywalker is there, and it's crazy, and he was inside talking to Leia before, and gave her, like, some necklace or, or the dice that Han Solo had. hmm Um. Anyway. He fights Kylo Ren because all the the fleet of walkers shot down at him, and he was still there, and you know, brushed off his shoulder. Yeah. And so then Kylo goes down to fight him, and um, Does Kylo kill him too. No. Oh. They they have a lightsaber battle uh-huh. in which the lightsabers never touch each other. Why?
1: The force Luke, is too powerful? Luke or? just
0: evades him. Oh. And then we find out that Luke's not actually there. He's projecting himself, oh. so he's meditating on that other planet, okay. but projecting himself here, which doesn't make sense.
1: Because <laughs> so, he was interacting with the world. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, which, again, I was going to ask you a question about that, too. Not to get sidetracked, but I'm getting sidetracked. The uh, You know what? When... Um, Kylo and Ray, they they would see, like, they'd project and see each other. And then, like, the one time he grabs a necklace, and that's how he figures out that she's... That was a big theme last time, too. Okay. But then when they were having their fight, and um, I think she knocks over Darth Vader's, you know, mask. And so that's how he figures out that she's on the ship. Mm -hmm. And then, but he had also knocked over, like, some kind of berries or something that kind of spills all over the set. Why is it that only certain things show up in the projection when the lightsabers touch them? Like is that part of the rules of the universe that when you're projecting that oh no, the projection thing that
0: was just introduced in episode eight.
1: Yeah, uh, because it was very bizarre, right? So that when they're fighting and when when he knocks through the the mask, uh, you know, and suddenly he sees it and he's like, oh, okay, I know where she is. But I'm like, well, why would it take your lightsaber knocking through that to tell you why couldn't you just see like something else? Like at that yeah. point, couldn't you just put your hand out and start touching the walls and doing all sorts of weird stuff? Like I didn't understand.
0: Yeah, and maybe no. I'm making
1: too much of it, but it was really one of those. It just threw me for a loop. I didn't. Well, even and get they,
0: it. they just haven't explained that side of it at all. Uh, yeah. and, like... and even when they introduced the thing, they it's not like. They don't show you what the other person is seeing. It's right. just, I can see you. Can you see me? Right. Oh, my God. This is this. This is this. And so it's just, it's really disorienting.
1: Yeah. All right. it's Ex- dumb. Except that when your lightsaber touches something, apparently. But how does it not touch other things? Like, how do you... Why I mean, is your
0: lightsaber interacting with it at all? Uh,
1: right. It was Also, very... why can you force teleport things now? <laughs> <laughs> like grabbing a necklace and then suddenly, <laughs> there it is. And you're like, wow. If that's... she
0: was able... To teleport her lightsaber to, Ky- or to Ben yeah. when she's going to fight Palpatine, why couldn't Kylo force teleport himself
1: to the room? Right. <laughs> just to avoid the whole thing altogether, right? Yeah, like,
0: let's just get this done with.
1: Yeah. yeah I don't know. I uh, And, and I'm, I really don't follow through on that whole universe. I don't know much about it. I just remember the things from when I was a kid. But, yeah, definitely some weird stuff going on in the movie. Uh I I I said you know I had a, a good time just watching the movie just cuz I, I do like going to movies so that was kind of fun and uh, as far as being PG-13 it was actually almost mm. PG-13 like it just it wasn't one of those PG-13 where they push it and push it and push it and just show you half a nipple or something like that you know it was like no no this is actually PG-13 it was kind of cool um so that was that was kind of nice you know but other than that uh yeah I'd be okay if they just don't make any more like I I'm I'm okay with that. I'm kind of I'm sorry. I know this is your universe, but well, <laughs> I'm kind of
0: okay. The way I've been uh justifying it is like I had to I had to be a witness in order to indict the crime. That's <laughs> there it
1: is. So so what do you think the chances are of Disney um doing some kind of a spin-off TV, you know, I was talking about that Jonna character, you know how Lando's like, "Where are you from?" I don't know. Let's find out. And then, which I
0: yeah. have to comment on Billy D. Williams, if you're listening. <laughs>
1: and, wow, and you're you ne- setting the bar real high, by and, the
0: way. <laughs> and if you need like, if you need help covering your rent, yeah. Which it seems like you probably do. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this world has done you wrong.
1: Yeah. Cole 45 does the job the f- every time, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, he should not have been in it either. Let's find Let's out! Find out! <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was so happy to say that. He was so excited. I was like, my God, what is? why do you care? Like, what is this?
0: You you, were, you you literally were just like, hey, how's it going? I'm good. Uh,
1: Great! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they're asking him to join the mission, like, oh, my flying days are over. I'm thinking they should be over. I mean, he's, I mean, when you think about who all uh, the people that he's been with, well, they're all gone, you know, yeah. they're all passed on. And yeah, it's probably time for him to hang up the cape. God, I hope
0: know? he, I, I hope to God he was doing it like as a troll. Because, Maybe. Like, did he ask him to do it? was like, Yes, I, I will. And then just every single take. Just, Gosh. <laughs> just insane.
1: Let's find out. <laughs> Thanks,
0: Lando. But when, I guess the moment that Jana and... Oh, I guess to answer your question, uh, they probably will try to do some first all-black, like Black Panther meets Star Wars. <laughs> I won't watch it. it will though. be, though. It will It'll be, be all on Disney like Plus, where you have to subscribe to watch anything at all, yeah, and because yeah. Disney owns everything. Yeah. Uh, also true. But then I thought it was just so shoehorned in, like, uh, her and Finn having that moment it, it of, like, Wow be- we were both starving, when we gave it up, well, watch it. That was also really just a feeling. That's what the force is. <laughs>
1: All right, let's move on. <laughs> also, one last thing I need—I I just need to ask about, by the way. Speaking of those two, because now I'm thinking about the battle scene, right? The final battle scene. And they're trying to aim these cannons up at the uh, deck, the control deck and all that stuff. I suddenly started thinking, on all of these planets, the atmospheric conditions must just be the same everywhere, right? So you, you've got, I mean, there are no, I mean, for what we know of our universe uh, and, and the different planets that we have and stuff like that, I mean, there's wild variances in gravitational force, mm-hmm. um, the atmospheric conditions and all these. And how many planets have life? That's right. And so now, suddenly, though, even this planet, I can't, what was the name of it? it was, like, exo I was going to, I knew it was Exo-something, but they, um, so when they get there, but none of them ever have to wear helmets. They never, and even though they're high up in the air, they never have any problems breathing, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently, the laws of oxygen elevate. I mean, it's incredible. They they are just they don't get tired. They don't need food. They don't need water. <laughs> they have no problems breathing. Every planet is good for this. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a um, uh, to me, it's it's almost like a slap in the face for common sense of how every other of what. I mean, Fiction is fun, right? I mean, think about all the. I grew up watching a lot of Star Trek: Next Generation, or all yeah. this. I mean, in in, in in every episode, every situation and scenario, the reason you have a crew, they have to tell you as much as they can tell you before you even think about beaming mm-hmm. down on the planet, and and forget about beaming. You know, I mean, they actually had difficulties beaming and stuff like that. I mean, they they couldn't just do it all the time. But you had to know what the conditions were like, and whether it could support life and stuff like that, and how to inoculate yourself. And yeah, I mean they had all sorts of wild things. And I feel like with this particular one, they just said, "Eh, who cares? None of that really matters. We're just gonna keep flinging them out there, and they'll just fight." I guess, know? I guess in a way, Star Wars is kind of
0: notorious for
1: that. Because I mean, what's the point of the stormtroopers wearing what they wear if nobody else has to wear that stuff? I mean, it just seems like it's a bulky, well, it's armor. Okay, maybe. Supposedly. Although one shot. They're the only ones who die. I was going to say, because even if it is armor, I mean, in this battle sequence, once again, Poe and Finn are miraculous shooters, and they were nailing these guys one shot, one shot, one shot. So all that armor sucks. So you would think that the Empire, right, that they would figure that out. I mean, just stop making them wear the armor if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, I know that's kind of ridiculous because that's they need to have it for; otherwise, they wouldn't be stormtroopers. And well, but you know. they they don't even need the stormtroopers anymore. Like, you, I mean, you're right.
0: Uh, there could be some other uniform, but it's just like can they really should move past that entire th- uh, the, that theme, right? Th- yeah, because you can only. Be useless so many times, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what—that's uh, the sense I got. It's like it's almost time to move on. We gotta stop. We're beating this horse; it's dead. Leave it alone. Just move on. George
0: Luke, I'm—I will always give him credit because with the prequels, like he did, take it to another level. Like he introduced new yeah. factors, and I guess there, there, obviously, there are certain things I, I didn't appreciate at the time. Uh, that Disney has made me go back and reconsider. <laughs> yeah, and it was mainly that he took risk. He, I I don't know. Let's like because the entire storyline is uh, Anakin having to suppress his human emotions in order to become a Jedi. Uh, meanwhile, they're fighting robots which notoriously don't have human emotions. They're yep. programmable. They can do that. Um. And in the end, it ends up being Anakin as a fusion of man and machine. Anyway, right. Uh, hmm. But it's also this broad story of political dissent, of and just like questioning, like okay, what what is freedom? What is a republic if the only thing we that really that matters that we see of it is just this huge arena of people
1: shouting? That's what decides things. <laughs> but that was. That was a significant piece that was missing from this film. There was no... I think you you were talking about this just earlier. There was no real reason for the Empire to exist, right? It wasn't... For the um, Republic? For, uh, yes. Well, no. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, there was actually yeah. no... Because, I mean, really... We have to save these planets that we haven't talked about or shown at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, I mean, even for the... um I mean, There wasn't this political part to it. There wasn't yeah. any of that anymore. It was just... Raw fighting, just there. Yeah, I mean, I'm the true emperor. But what is? It? I mean, who cares? Yeah. Because there's nobody else he's fighting against. Well, but neither does the resistance. Poe and, and, and all these other uh, wahoos. And then know, Lando gets all those cargo ships, which somehow again miraculously outgun, you know, entire an entire fleet. We'll have to take down one of them. Oh, this
2: come on. the
1: the most destructive <sighs> fleet ever is controlled by one ship. I mean, I just find it hard to believe that they didn't have some sort of, like... Per, well, anyway, whatever. yeah, I'm like, not I don't know.
0: Maybe every ship <laughs> can control itself, and mm. that's why they have
1: captains on every one of them. Uh, I <laughs> just don't understand it all. Um, the more we talk about it, the more I wish I kind of hadn't seen it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I have... I can give you the previous two, so you can hate those <laughs> yeah, as well. It's all right. I swear I must have seen one of those, though, because... It was a few years ago. I, I know I saw one of those, but it also shows you how it just wasn't memorable. Like I couldn't really follow along. You know, I, I, I'm getting old enough to am to the point where, you know, a trilogy is okay. Now we've got six. Now we've got nine movies. The Marvel thing, I gave up on that a long time ago. When
0: I saw, uh, was it Endgame? Probably that made me wish i had seen all the ones that led up to it cuz like i i will say that was that was a great movie
1: but th- is that the one where he uh gets all the stones and, and then does the snap and everyone d- or and, and half dies and people start like yeah I that mean, that was pretty powerful yeah uh, though and though
0: just the way they were able to tie everything into itself and right. then it's just okay well maybe all of these movies all of these different universes were Thanos controlling it from, yeah. the, from the get go. Right. Uh, I thought that was. So it, did, it made me
1: wish I I watched them all. But did did you see Captain Marvel? I did you not. See it? Is that I I did, but I'm trying to oh, remember. Is it, isn't Captain Marvel a lady? Yes, a um, lady bitch. Yes. And I think that's why they called her Marvel. By the way, it's not. I don't. I don't. It was a whole thing. Did Look, they actually do that? I don't know. This is just what my you know I, uh, my kids were telling so me when dumb. I said Captain Marvel and like no, it's Marvel. I'm like okay, whatever. So, um, but because was that movie part of this whole? I mean, because Endgame, I would imagine Endgame came out before that one. Well, and then there was, yeah. But there then was Infinity one War, Infinity War. I only I I think again, that was I only know name. this for my kids, um, and I think that was the one where, where my son he came home and he just said that was like the best movie. He almost cried, you know. And yeah. so there must have been something really powerful I meant to, about that I meant to too. Because Endgame was pretty great. But as I'm sitting there with Star Wars and I'm watching the previews. Uh, of course, I see another Marvel movie Black coming Widow. out. Yeah, Black Widow. And I'm like, okay, again. How, mean, how are we going to top the, what we've already right. done? And the comics were kind of novelties. And, and that, the, the enjoyable part of the comic book was just it is what it is. You know? I mean, it, and, and you could pick it up for a dime or a quarter or yeah. whatever at the time. But when you keep making the movies, now you're just getting money hungry. And quite frankly, again, it's the same story. The same saga, the same kind of superpowers. Quite, Nothing's different in any of this. Mm-hmm. But I suppose there's some out there that are just diehard fans or something. So, I don't know. I mean, I used to, when uh, Lord of the Rings uh, was kind of a big thing in the theaters, you would have been too young for this, Charles. No, that
0: was... uh the seventh grade.
1: Oh well, then you were old enough. Yeah, okay, baby. good. So, but when you, uh, but when that was such a big deal. I mean, I was kind of doing the same thing, you know. I mean, I was in that universe, and you're just, uh, you know, you, you start to understand all the laws and the dynamics, and how it all worked. And it was pretty cool. I remember living that. It's fun. That it was fun. But the older I get, the more I just, just don't need it. I don't know. We're gonna move on.
0: And I would argue <laughs> that like. Because that's just not supported anymore. Um, they they just continue to rehash the same things as opposed to I don't know, having something that's fun in and of itself that 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 is at kind of the same level, uh, and that's why to me it's just it's less interesting now because it's just not there's not the same standards around it and the it's all just so vapid and empty.
1: Yeah. Well, did you have so I'm curious cuz you I think when when you and I were talking about the movie, and this was before I had actually seen it, you had some thoughts on the on the meaning I can't remember exactly what. Did you have some thoughts on the meaning of the movie like how it works in our <laughs> our world as opposed like not thinking of it like it's a Star Wars movie? Oh but thinking about in a different way. Do you remember it all? Uh, Let me see if I can go back in the annals of history here.
0: I think I said something about how Disney's bad for America.
1: Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, greater social relevance of Star Wars. Is Disney anti-American? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um,
0: well, yeah, I mean, I think (laughs) kind of a lot of the same, for a lot of the same, uh, reasons I think we've already talked about, like, I think Star Wars was generally good for culture and for society because it, in a lot of ways it was um, in both of the timeframes that the separate, um, that the separate original... Trilogies were released. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty cogent mirror on America itself. Because uh, first one's released in 77.
1: Right. Lots Tail of stuff Tail end of the on. Vietnam War. Uh-huh.
0: Um, oh, wait, were we out by then? 75, we get out? I don't know. Jesus. All right. Anyway, it was
1: around I that can... era. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how they ever even classify out anymore, because... You can say we're out of Afghanistan, and yet there's still troops, <sighs> you know, sitting around. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it.
0: What, what was great about the original trilogy was that it showed resistance is meaningful. That when that empire is bad in and of itself because it gives no wiggle room. There's no method for what is what is morally right. No way to even explore that thought because the power structure makes you go one way or another. And that intrinsically is bad. Mm-hmm. And so the resistance there, uh, or I think it was good societally for the message to be that resistance is good, mm-hmm. but it's ultimately futile if... There's no maturation along the way if there's no grounding to why you're resisting you have to understand uh like you have to have morals that you're fighting for uh before you're fighting against something because perspective otherwise you're
1: fighting oh well, just kind yeah. of banging against the wall right yeah sure uh, or throwing a temper tantrum or whatever you want to call it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: um and then i think again like with the prequels the message i look at it now because that first one came out in 99 the last one 2005 and it's about this super technocratic system that has you know brought luxury and like a certain amount of comfort to a lot of people and it definitely seemed more like the level of stability and predictability was what uh, the Republic was trying to uphold, and what the Jedi mm. were scared was going to be going away, as opposed to really anything else. And the timeline of America from '99 to 2005 is it, it's astounding the level of autocracy we ended up accepting uh and i think i think some of those movies especially return of the jet or revenge of the sith was just it was saying like you know you'll do a lot of things in the name of security you'll mm-hmm. do a lot of things uh without questioning um what your leader is saying is a threat mm. Uh, because you don't want to give up your comfort, right? And as Yoda says, it's like you have to train yourself uh, to learn to let go of everything that you fear to lose because fear just leads to hate, which leads to to the dark side. Yet, in an ironic way, that's what what happened to the Jedi because they were afraid to lose the Republic, and in a way, they
1: helped that. Or they helped Palpatine's on, quest anyway. Holding on too tight, maybe.
0: By not questioning, like, oh, we have this whole army that was made of clones, and there's all this shade. We don't really know who placed the order. We didn't even know it was here. But now, at the perfect time, we're putting them in the battlefield against an army that is led by the that is led by the Sith Lord, who is also our Supreme Chancellor, mm-hmm. that we can't question or anything. Hmm.
1: That's a good point. I... I Just looked it up. It was 1975. At least that's the date when we when we left. When they would say is the end of the Vietnam War. Okay. So you're you're, and it makes me wonder. I I hadn't really thought of Star Wars that way. Um, It's a really interesting perspective, because I, I, you know, movies really do have a tendency to do that, right? They they, um, they become important to us, maybe because of the way they talk to us about what's happening in our surroundings um, mm-hmm. comedies are that way just because they they kind of remove us from reality for a while how right? well do comedies age uh not very well some some maybe hold on as cult kind mm-hmm. of classic type things you know you think about the monty python type feature films um but that's just because they're silly ridiculous yeah comedies. <laughs> and they're british you know so it's like everybody just. You know, even my kids love Monty Python: the Search for the Holy Grail. Which, I mean, I, I watch it. I'm like, okay, I've seen this 14,000 times. I cannot listen to clapping coconuts anymore uh, and think that it's funny. Go on, dear Patsy. Yeah, and my wife, you know, always, uh, uh, God bless her heart, always quoting the uh, watery taut. You know, throwing a so- <laughs> or how do they some water and it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. The lines in the movie. Well, anyway, so some of that maybe. Uh, or or I, maybe that was one of my reasons, too, of always liking John Candy films. Uh, Steve Martin, um, Great Outdoors, uh, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Throw Mama from the Train with Classic. Billy Crystal. You know, these, are, these were more, they just were fun, funny type movies. Um, but then you have other ones like Star Wars, and uh, some of these where they, they probably do speak to the culture a bit better. And really helped draw certain things out. I, I, I had never really considered why they would have started with episodes 4, 5, and 6 as being, you know, when I was a kid, I just thought that was Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and then as an adult, and they were like, oh, they're releasing these prequels. And I went, oh, well, you know, are, are, are they? did somebody rewrite? And they're like, no, this has always just been part of the story. Blew my mind. I had no idea that Star Wars had a whole thing. Hmm. But you're right. It was fitting for the time. Especially as we, you know, had through 2000 and uh, the attacks on the World Trade Center, um, coming out of that time too, and trying to almost reorient ourselves as Americans. What does it mean to be American? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good perspective, Charlie. I hadn't thought about that. Um, And then even for these three, though, so would you say that there's some sort of societal relevance? Well, that's why With I think that's last? why I think the third one is just absolutely useless. So it's kind of an it's just, approach. It's a, to... it's a
0: spit in the face uh, okay. of what made him great, mm-hmm. because there's no, like you know, for the for the prequels, George Lucas he brought in f- several different professors. One of them was at UWGB at the time huh. on history uh, for the Senate because they wanted to model it after the Roman Senate. So it was just like, what was the procedure? What was the base? Like, what, 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 what? Sure. And because part of Palpatine's thing is modeling Caesar, not giving up the emergency power. Right. Uh, and that's where, like, George Lucas, like, he, he cared about humanity and human history and creativity. And... Whether or not it was totally effective, he was trying to put that into his into his films, and that's why Star Wars was interesting because it. I mean, think back to Reagan talking about like, well, you know, if there was, if there was a threat from an enemy alien force from outer space, you know, would any of these national divisions exist? Uh, probably. I don't. Maybe hmm. we we'd probably try to get the upper hand first, and then say, <laughs> guys, we gotta get together. Uh, but. Oh, God. I don't even know what I was going to (laughs) say. But with this, with the new universe, there's no, I mean, just transparently, they're not trying to make the audience feel anything. There's no message that they're trying to tell. There's no significance to any of the characters. There's no subtext. There's nothing other than just what's on the screen. And that's what's just
1: so offensive to me. So I was at uh, I was I was at uh, Costco the other night, and on their uh, in their electronics department, looking at the different TVs that were there, and they had an advertisement that kept playing for. And it was like it wasn't for Star Wars, but it was it was a little girl, and she was running around. She thought she had the force because these new washer and dryers like had some kind of smart thing, so she thought she <sighs> turned them on. And anyway, whatever. But I think to what you're – so to your point, I think what's happening here, right? So she was probably, you know, like seven years old, six, seven years old in that age range. And that was probably their target audience for these last three films is that young – you know, so they want the young girls, the young boys – um, to just really latch on that's Disney's approach all the time. they like cigarettes yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so you know whereas you're right about the other movies were definitely while even as a kid I could appreciate Star Wars, but the depth of it was lost on me as a kid yeah so I didn't in the first three uh, that I had seen uh you know which would have been episodes four, five and six, I didn't understand. What it was doing mm-hmm. at the time, I just watched them. I was like, oh, "This is so cool, Ewoks!" You know, suddenly I'm like, you know, we everybody <laughs> yep, loved yep. little Ewoks, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or I had uh, I had stormtroopers riding, and I can't remember what those things were called. Those uh, the speeders. Like, yes, you know, and I had a little speeder that I would just, you know. Oh, cool! I, mean, I had that kind of stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't for any other reason than it was just something he had, you know. So I, I I think you hit the mark there. There's something that's lost in these last three episodes um, so that they are basically just money machines more than actual societal influencers mm-hmm. or, or cultural influencers or, or even offering cult, like just cultural reflection. relevance. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that's I, a really good point.
0: And I guess I I didn't care too much about Star Wars up until in the middle school because um, I... I for a long time, I wanted to be friends with like with the sport people, the jocks, because mm. I wanted to be in the NFL one day. Ooh, that's pretty high dreaming. I know, you know. And, How uh, close did you get? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I stopped playing football in ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but part of uh, that was because of, uh, you know, I became, or I befriended people that I wouldn't yeah. have thought of otherwise, and I guess I'm not even sure why. Uh but they were just funny yeah. and in in a way i don't know i i, I related a lot to just the, like the, the the craziness and the silliness of of them so i just started sitting with them at lunch and just had a good time and then they end, after a while they ended up inviting me to play uh you know dungeons and dragons just got some for christmas home oh, babe so this I got invited to play the Star Wars ooh, version of it,
1: ooh. and so Who was your character—do you remember?
0: Uh, well, we played this for years because the end of this story is <laughs> this would be nearly every weekend up until I graduated. Wow. Okay. Uh,
1: that's a committed group of friends, then. Yeah, yeah. and
0: it it really was great because of that. Uh, and it made, because of that much intimacy with the Star Wars universe, like it, it, I guess it gave me the opportunity and the chance to just think about things deeper and to like really delve in to the logic behind some of the things that were in the original trilogy and the prequels and learn, learned like to kind of parse out the pros and the cons. And it's like, Yeah. The prequels did have a lot of CGI and the acting was kind of terrible, but I mean, we really could look at that as maybe another reflection of the, um, the respectability and the organic humanity of resisting an empire, uh, when you're under it, as opposed to the the cold, heartless, like everything's gonna be all right, kind of sense of being in a stable republic, thinking an empire couldn't happen. Right. Maybe that, maybe that was a subtle uh, message from George Lucas. I don't know. Hmm. The guy's pretty amazing. He never said that, but it's like it's one way you could look at it, and. So I, 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 and again, I know I take it probably a little more seriously and a little more deeply than really anybody should, but I, I'm just growing increasingly calloused by the fact that there's, even even in the world of fantasy and sci-fi and imagination, there's no excitement, there's no imagination, and the rules of it don't even make sense. Yeah, like that's just, I think as a sign of our society. That's uh, that's us sitting in the Senate saying uh, an empire can never happen yeah. because we don't even care. It's just, yep, give us whatever, and we'll talk about it. And I know the reviews haven't been great, which I'm honestly shocked by. I'm shocked that it wasn't the same.
1: Let's treat this as though it's the same thing. Right. Right. Whatever. It'd be uh, quite a bit bro. of money, though. And I don't know why that's always the... You know, and that, I guess it's another thing I don't quite understand. In movie speak, that's like saying this is a great movie, right, when it makes quite a bit of money. But that's always that's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, time will tell, obviously, with different types of movies, whether or not they're actually good. Um, and, and if people have paid to see it, well, that's fine. It might just not be anything else out there yeah. at the time. You know, but I'm sure there was a lot of high hope for this particular movie, Uh, but I will say as an individual, like I mentioned, you know, growing up with the original Star Wars and then finally seeing this, I just, I feel sad. You know, I feel, nothing makes you feel older uh, or more irrelevant than uh, (laughs) watching a movie like this and going, well, you know, I mean, it just, everything is, is kind of the same but different, and there was no point to this movie. Like, it didn't yeah. add or take away anything. It just was. So I gave my money to the machine and had my two hours of entertainment, I guess. <laughs> that's all I did, you know. Uh, it... But anyway, but that's a really – thanks for bringing that up, though. That was uh, it was – I'm glad you – and you actually kind of pushed me to go see that just by bringing it up <laughs> as a topic. You know, my, uh, my son was one that wanted to go and see it um, – Right in, when it opened, and he did. I, I couldn't go with him at the time. Uh, I did want to go see it, but he, he went anyway on his own and came back, and he's like, yeah, it was a good movie. So, But thanks for the push. Uh, I was able God, to get out there. What did he
3: like about it?
1: Well, it wasn't. I don't. I think at his age, it's not so much. Because, again, he's not able to think about it like with what you're. The, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're at a different depth. You're at a different level. Uh, maybe he'll get there someday, too, when he gets a little older. But for right now, you know, at at that teenager kind of age range, it's just a good movie, Mm -hmm. you know. But And that's like all the the Marvel movies, too, which, you know, I I make fun of a lot just because they're coming out with one every other day, Mm -hmm. it seems like. But you're right, at least there was a culmination with Endgame and Infinity War, and, you know, to see him, uh, my son, get so impacted by that. It's like wow, you know. I mean, I was impacted by Field of Dreams when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> oh, or god! How about, how about Dead Poet Society? Anybody I remember that movie? Of <laughs> fucking dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but it, the movie being less about baseball, but more about relationships, yeah, you know, especially the struggle with with fathers and sons. And I think you know, you and I, we talked about the cats at the cradle. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> you go through that in your teenage years, and you start to understand the world a little differently. And so I had seen that movie and it, it did make a pretty big it was a pretty lasting impact. Yeah. Plus I was a big baseball fan, so I was like, oh this is cool. But um, you know, Dead Poets Society was still one of the bigger and it's still just a big, big impact, but it was because of that scene of the suicide. Uh, I've actually movie. never seen Dead Poets Society. I think you'd enjoy that one. I really do. I mean that one's at least a little classier. Um you know, but there's there's definitely the trauma of again. Uh, expectations being placed upon young men in particular, mm. uh, and not being able to live up to a, a father's standards, and so you know, in, in the uh, the culmination of that is a young man who has a lot of promise ends up coming home and committing suicide with his father's revolver, and his dad's the one that discovers him, and and so, so Ernest Hemingway did it, it, exactly. So it's got this this sense. It's a very heavy movie in that way, because then you watch all these young men come back together as this class and try to figure out and make sense of, now that this has happened, how do we live our lives again? Mm. And Robin Williams' character is the one that kind of helps lead them through that um, because of what he had done prior. So it's it's all these movies, what I loved about them, and it's really helped kind of shape my life up to my point now, but all of them were based on the relationships we develop with one another um, and how important those relationships are, that if we're intentional about... You know, hanging out with certain types of people, uh, you know, as long as I guess it doesn't matter what they're like, just as long as the people are important to us and and we give them something in return, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was a lot like you. Uh, I think we're probably cut from the same cloth in that way. You know, my my friend group that I had aspired towards uh i kind of missed that mark (laughs) so i had to i had to you know move and i i was friends with lots of different people in middle school and high school i had a wide variety uh we had different names for different groups but um you know so people that were in our our um we'd call them like the tech group or the votech or they were the the guys that worked basically during school hours So I had friends in that group. I had friends in the jock group. You had friends in all these, in the skater Mm -hmm. group, all this other stuff. And it was simply because it wasn't important what we were. It was just important that we were together, you know, and and we relied on one another. So, but what was the skater group like? Oh, actually I didn't fit in very well with that one. So Mm. I, those were more, those were my friends when I was growing up. And then in high school we really deviated. And I, um, Primarily because I just could not seem to—I wasn't as adventurous as them. I guess I, I didn't really want to go do stupid stuff yeah, for the sake of just being for stupid. the sake of being stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to do that. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of broke away from that group. And they were a good group of guys, you know. I mean, I—I I, I don't keep in touch with them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing wrong with them, you know. They were probably a bit heavier into drugs too and things like that. And I just. I just, I don't know. I just didn't want to do that. Um, it's not because somebody told me it was bad. I just didn't see the point, you know. So, but I did listen do you think to a, Nancy Reagan helped him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, she Nancy Reagan. Like, we don't have to talk about Nancy and her war. But it's, you know, it, it, I think even for, um, you know. It, for teenagers, especially just because both of us having gone through those teenage years, young males, you know, and, and trying to figure out what's life all about, these movies really help point us in mm-hmm. the right directions. And I, 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 that's probably one of my biggest senses of loss as I watched my kids grow up is that they just didn't have those kinds of movies. It's just consumer product. It's all consumer product. It's not, there's nothing really, there's nothing really. And I'm not even talking about feel good. There's nothing really instructive about the movies that they're seeing. You know, how to be relational or how to be, uh, how to stand up for one another. But not like stand up in that, oh my God, you're a bully, so we got to shut you up kind of way. Yeah. Although the new Mulan movie looks kind of cool, yeah, that girl's uh, hot. <laughs> my dad, my uh, yeah, well, my my son was asking about the dragon. He's like, "Where's the dragon in that?" I'm like, "Oh, shut up! I don't want to." You know, because the, they showed it. Uh, it. This was the, the dragon in um, in the cartoon Mulan, yeah, you know, the little green guy versus the, the actual Mulan that's coming out. Um, but anyway, I, I loved that. You
0: know, before I'm seeing Star
1: Wars. The same
0: production houses. Look at all the other movies we've ruined <laughs> <laughs> from from the from the from the studio that brought you Lion King, blah blah, uh-huh, uh-huh. twice. <laughs> I'm like you fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah. bring me the something new band. in the yeah. last
0: twenty years. I know,
1: but you know, music <laughs> even music has been that way lately. I've been listening as I watch different commercials and. And see things, and I realized they just keep recycling music anymore. It's almost as if, uh, and th- I remember this starting with Sean Combs, Puff, uh, P Diddy, Puff yeah Diddy, whatever P- you want to D- call P- him. D- but he just could not seem to write his own music. He just kept sampled, sampling stuff. And I was like, dude, and I. So I just never cared for him. I thought he was a, a fake, you know. But as I'm listening to it now, my uh, my daughter let me listen to. Uh, it was uh, Lord, is her name? Lords? Oh, girl. And she did a cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, you know? That song for though, Because her only song is I Want to Be Your Ruler? I guess. I don't know. But she, she does it in this real dark kind of like, ooh, everybody, you know. and And I... <laughs> Which I, in my, itself, that is kind of an interesting take. Oh if, no! If they yeah, do it well, had no problem with yeah. that part of it. But I just said to my daughter, I was like, "Can they just write their own song? Like, can't anybody just do something on their own anymore? Does it have to be taking this song and putting it to new music or a new beat or whatever? Like, well, but where <sighs> the 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 main avenue
0: for I'm getting scared for artists to. Uh, gain any kind of prominence or like to, for, for, for their work to be appreciated is through Spotify or iTunes know, right? it's not through the record houses anymore so no. what and all the funding or the, the money that you get when you're on those platforms is obviously the amount of listens that you have or how much you shared or whatever so right. how do you do that other than just recreate things that people already know so people look
1: into it Uh that's a good point, but it still sucks. You know, I I agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I just miss and it's I, like you know the, the gatekeepers
0: wasn't fantastic, but it allowed there, it, it it made there be something like I, I think I said this before. It made there something to rebel against, right? So yeah, sure. On the radio, there would be mostly all the same shit, but. There were uh, alternative stations, right? That I don't know, and even just record stores. Um, I heard Louis C.K. of all people talk about this once, and it with record stores and bookstores that those were the outlets where culture really could grow because it. It's like that's uh, a good point. Oh crap! Ziggy Stardust. Is that
1: it? Could be. Does that name ring a bell? Ziggy does. <laughs> just if I if I, can, I think this might be he, he might be a little used it. out of my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah. But. Anyway, he used some example, and I think ZZ Top was part of it. Maybe Led Zeppelin too, where, you know, it wasn't just they were on the radio suddenly because that's not really the way it worked back right. then. But it was, you know, there'd be a. You know, like the the record store owner who you know you know it's the record store because he likes music so he's listening to all this stuff all the time and Ziggy pop that's what it was and so then you know you listen to this be like, oh wow, this is really kind of out there this is kind of cool And then uh you know it' just be you know some guy some kid coming in and then the record store owner be like, hey you know I've seen you in here a few times you kind of do this you I, I think you like this music. You might want to give this a shot. Yeah, like, yeah all right, old man, screw you. <laughs> and then he puts it in. And he's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> and that that happens in multiple places all across the country. And eventually, uh, Ziggy Pop is all over the radio and is doing sure. a
1: national tour. Yeah. And now that it's, I guess I don't even know what it is anymore. I know. It's been commercialized almost to a, a, a disgusting level. Um You know, So that all of these stars, whereas maybe before they were still being created.
0: It's just we're told they're a star. Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) So uh, we just got through the holiday season. You know that song, Santa Baby? Oh, yeah. Santa Baby. I'm a whore and I'll suck your cock for candy. (laughs) So I'm listening to these songs one night, and uh, I thought, you know, I don't actually know who sings these songs. And I looked at, uh, on Spotify, of course, of all places, as I'm Mm -hmm. listening to all this, and I looked at the, uh, what would have been the record, you know, cover, and it was a young African-American woman singing the song. I thought, and I immediately said, <laughs> <laughs> Stop. no, but I actually, I, but the thought crossed my mind. I said, this is unusual, right? That's not who I would have thought of, first of all, that was singing the song. Second of all... Why does she want a 54 convertible? First, that's the other part, too, is that you look at her and you go, she's a very unassuming individual. You know, she really, I don't think she was known for much more besides that. If she was, I don't know what other songs she Mm -hmm. would have been known for. Um, But this clearly was one of her her bigger hits. Um, And she wasn't, you know, I hate to say, she was not unattractive. That's not what I mean. But she was not produced the way that especially our female musicians right now are being and male too but yeah are being like overly produced visually right they just you never know really what they look like because they have so much crap on it's fake stuff yeah. you never know what you're looking at oil and it just it just i don't know it just shocked me i guess it maybe surprised me that that's who was actually singing the song and it, it, it always harkens back to that that 80s song video killed the radio star that they're Really, is some truth to that, you know? That the minute we were able to actually see who these artists were, suddenly the radio star is gone because now we have to have an attractive singer as well as somebody that sounds good. Well, and actually, what they sound like is quite is kind of secondary, right? Because we can auto tune that crap and we can make them sound however we want them Mm -hmm. to sound. They don't even have to be talented; they just have to be able to dance.
0: You know how Britney stars got famous. Mm-mm. Britney Spears, Britney stars. That's all right. I know um, you were talking about the record company had the album all written and the backing music and everything produced, and uh, they went to a mall in Arkansas and found pretty girls and auditioned. To... I mean,
1: that doesn't seem right, does it? No, <sighs> it just feels weird, you know. So I guess I that's the one big. Lament I have because that I think carries over wildly into the movie industry right now too. It's really hard to find a good movie. I, I, I really have. I'll say Joker was was amazing. I haven't seen that. I was afraid to go see that for some reason.
0: I in the why. in the same way for like social commentary. Yeah, it was it was beautiful.
1: Did you see um? Did you see it chapter two by chance? No. I mean, I actually appreciate it. I mean, I've always appreciated Stephen King's writings. I, I've been reading him since I was in middle school. Um, and I just... You know, seeing that come to life was kind of cool. Seeing it in Chapter 1 was kind of cool, too. And, and Didn't they this, make a movie in, like,
0: the 90s?
1: Yeah, but it wasn't the same kind of creep level as this. This was definitely creepier. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely scarier. Um, wasn't Pennywise... He was more... Like the fear of the clown wasn't seeing him right. So like in in uh, in um, I guess in even in the book, there's a lot between the lines going on from what I remember, and the same thing with the original movie. in the 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 one that I saw recently, chapter well, chapters one and two, it's much more like graphic. Like you actually see him mm. eating people and stuff like that. Okay. So kind of weird. But and even the new pet cemetery movie, I did not like that either. That was horrible.
0: Oh, I I loved the the original movie of the Pets Right. So that the original movie,
1: the book, all that stuff. Like
0: you, like you saying, but that was instructive.
1: Right, and and it was I think for you know and at the time you know Stephen King was a hot writer. You know, was coming out of his his seventies, eighties. You know, and then just had these blow up successes. I don't want to get <laughs> But, like, in the new Pet Cemetery, what they ended up doing at the very end, the, uh, the one child, I think it was the son, is, like, locked in the car, and his whole family has turned into these zombies, and they're coming to get him to, like, make him one of their zombie family now. And I'm like, that's not how Pet Cemetery ended. No, that was never the point of the movie. That's not a good change. No, right, exactly. But they had to. A man's hearts are stone They almost had to, like, make it work for today's culture. Where all they talk about are zombies. I mean, we are just so zombified. Everything is zombie. Walking Dead, Zombieland, whatever, you know? It's all zombies all the time. All of our video games have zombies. Which, you know, I mean, it's like we have some kind of fascination with the walking, like literally the walking dead. So that's why everyone went to see these remakes. Maybe. That could be. We love zombies. We love zombies. <laughs> and there was zombie Palpatine, you know? I don't know. This, yeah. I know this is kind of aimless and nameless all on its own, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it... I, it, is, it, it was just a, uh, it's a weird cultural shift, and I don't know that it's worth drawing attention to because I don't think anything's going to come of drawing attention to it, but I just feel bad for the younger generation. Well, cause I hope it they... just feels like we're slipping into a dark age. There you go. Uh... Which is so strange, because we have all this at our fingertips, right? I mean, everything is at our fingertips right now. Yet yeah.
0: Constantly, the worst aspects are rewarded. Yeah. It's never anything original. No. Um, I will say, like, again, I think Joker was great. Yeah. Um, the Lighthouse, it had, what's this nuts? Um, Willem Dafoe. In it, that okay. it looks really good. I didn't get a chance to go see it in theaters, um, but it's like there is, like underground, there are good things that are coming out, but they just don't get attention. Yeah, and I guess, and honestly, few of them get produced anyway. Uh, but I don't know what to do. Well, because it's just that stuff. It used to be such a good outlet for either. Either being inspired or just being impressed, amazed, whatever, right. on a level more than just visually or more right. than just uh, gratification of, I don't know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it used to mean more. It feels like, yeah. and I know the '80s is notorious for terrible movies. It's not like, <laughs>
1: like Top Gun was great. Ugh. Are you serious? I've, I've actually never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just... I actually am looking forward to Maverick, though, the, the new Top Gun. But only because I'm thinking, like, if I could actually get into the the, the jets, you know, into the seat in the cockpit, like, this movie will help do that okay. for me. That's the only reason Fair I really want to see it. That's it. Is the, they have, like, a sweepstakes or something? No.
0: If you go see it, you, you maybe you could get the cockpit. No,
1: I just mean, like, you know, in the original Top Gun... You were kind of in the cockpit, but it was like that 80s kind of like, it just, it wasn't, it, I mean, nothing was really fast paced and it was all, no. uh, you know, but in the new one, you just feel like I mean, these things are flying super fast, lots of maneuvering and things like that, and that you're actually right in the cockpit when that's, I'm hoping that's what it's like. I see. I'm hoping. I really could care less about Tom Cruise. I uh, have no desire to watch him in a movie, but whatever. I'll probably yeah. still go see it. I don't like him either. But you know, um, like even some of the I've noticed some trends with my own, uh, with with my kids and then other kids at, at church in particular, and uh, the music that they listen to, they actually don't seem to listen to. Like I mean. I don't know. I mean, my dad, the music he was listening to, I wasn't a big fan of when I was a teenager, but I kind of get it why he was Mm -hmm. listening to it. It was different. It was different from what his parents listened to, right? And it was, you can see this steady progression of music through the decades kind of thing. And then by the time I got into the 90s music scene and and what I was listening to was mainly alternative Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, all that Metallica kind of stuff. Not really alternative heavy rock. But anyway, you get the point. And now, I mean... My kids are what they're listening to is just like video game music. Hmm. Or um they're listening to things that people have created on I mean, it's just simple tunes. There's nothing there's nothing they're not finding identity through it. I guess maybe they are. I just don't know how to identify anymore with how they're finding identity in any of that type of stuff. And so, you know, when you talk about what music's popular nowadays there isn't. Any. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, I mean, they just they just sit there and pick on all the people. Every single one of them. You mentioned any name? Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber. They just tear them to pieces. Um, and then the other ones that you think are popular. Oh, that was like three years ago. Oh, okay.
0: You Esperanza know. Spalding. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I, which
0: maybe in a way that's good genre wise. Maybe, like, you know,
1: maybe it is. But there's still no money in it. No. So they seem to be turning towards, obviously, like, you and I were talking about TikTok. You know, I mean, it's creating your own music or creating your own whatever. Um, And so this idea of self-expression is coming to fruition more than anything else. Um, And maybe they're learning from each other through that. I don't know. Maybe those are these mini movies of the future are going to be what instruct them.
0: Yet even so, let's contrast that with... uh... So, like, like TikTok or Snapchat or yeah. uh, I don't know any of these apps, it might be providing that avenue to become creative and interact with people. Yet, the data on all of that is stored and the property of well, that's right. a private company. You're you're right on it. And like that is just such a massive. So then it just becomes another commercialization, right? And, and your your creative process, yeah, is capitalized upon at every turn. It's, I don't know. It's
1: really sick. Yep. <laughs> so it does. It does seem to. It does seem to denigrate uh, the value of any actual artistic vision whatsoever, and and boils it immediately down to. Is it, is it monetized? Mm-hmm. Can it be monetized, and if so, great. You know, if not, we're moving on to the next thing. And uh, and how many of our, our young people, you know, they watch whether it's an Instagram these what they call influencers, um, and that just drives me nuts. You know, these are basically just commercials all yeah. the time that you're seeing on different platforms.
0: Well, that's what Jewel got in such trouble. Really? For uh, what did she? They're advertising on Instagram. Oh, Jewel! Jewel. I thought yeah, you meant sorry. Jewel the singer. Yeah. I was like, "Fair really? enough." Really? What did she
1: do? <laughs> <laughs> I like Jewel. Oh,
0: uh. she's nice. She anyway, big boobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, yeah, because they directed market or marketed directly to children through
1: a, social media. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this is all of this stuff is. It seems to be coming to a head. I'm hoping at some point we somebody some generation is smart enough to say this is not good, right? We need to stop doing things this way. We need a Luke Skywalker. We do. We need a rise throw... of the. We need a rise of the. Well, this would be a rise of the Skywalkers. The uh, the Earthwalkers. Yes. Okay. But we do need one. We need somebody to stand up and then be part throw of that this Emperor over the ledge so we
0: don't have to deal with him for at least 30 years when he comes back or we wait until it. he rules our lives in the, in the shadows Yeah. alright that was a nice uh, circle to bring in around
1: <laughs> we should probably move on to our second <laughs> alright topic number two after an hour and a half <laughs> if there's anybody still there at this point <laughs> father are you listening <laughs> alright so what are we talking about now
3: you know, we've
0: done a lot of talking about culture, and you know, our place in it, right? Yes. And we're we're going through a pretty historic time right now. With, uh, well, as we know, the House has treasonously voted to impeach our dear Emperor Donald. J. Or Trump. <laughs> Trumpetine. <teen. laughs>
1: um, I wonder what John Muir has to say about any of this, by the way. Uh, you I know, haven't listened to him. I before.
0: know I included part of that yeah, in the text, yeah. but it's, I, don't, it's, I don't want to include him in this.
1: I know. He's just kind of off the rails. I hate that guy. But it is, it is <laughs> fascinating what's going on right now in our culture. I mean, this is the first time... That with you know this kind of a, this level of impeachment, um, I mean we're we're well no I won't say that I mean with Clinton we were able to watch it and to see some of the stuff, but to really watch the hearings and to see some of the the way this is all happening um, makes it a little it's it's an interesting case study. Yeah, and it,
0: it... part of me is like I we can't, there were no calls to impeach George W. Bush. No. Over bringing us into a grossly illegal war and evading
1: no, nothing there.
0: Like, and that that's just, to me, that's the frustrating part is because I've always seen Trump as a symptom of the failure of our liberal establishments to bring the voice of the people and change power. Uh, And so now that that same corporatocracy is trying to impeach him for it's really a nothing burger. Like it's it's not it's not great that what he was trying to do. Come on, though. I mean, but it's but it's just it's not. It's go fuck
2: off. I mean,
1: you know, there there are certain levels of acceptable crime, okay? And I'll be honest, as a president. To me, this is an acceptable type of crime. I'm sure this is, this is not the first president. Because there's other avenues to defend it. Like, that's... But, I mean, this is not our first president who has, I mean, maybe the, what he did was stupid in the sense that he was a little too blatant in the yeah. way that he asked it. Okay? So he got caught. Come on. You mean other presidents haven't sped down the highway? I mean, that's really what's going on here. He just happened to be the one that got caught doing it. And it's like equating this with Jesus. foreign interference in oh, our God. elections. It's like, ah, grow up. We put guns to the head of people in Nicaragua. <laughs> did you did you watch Pelosi when she was, you know, hammering out the gavel on the vote and, uh, and just no. the look on her face of utter like, we did it, you know, when she's calling this vote and you look at her and you think, is this really what your life culminates in? That you've you've screwed the uh, the American people so bad at this point? Yep. And and you feel so good about that? I man, it's it's a little actually, it's not a little. It's a lot um, heartbreak. I'll say for me as a voter, um, mm-hmm. that basically my vote really doesn't it. This this helps to show what I've I've always struggled with as a voter that i what i worry about rather my vote does not matter.
0: well i mean there's two ways to take that because would i think there i think there are plenty of reasons to impeach trump because i uh he is consolidating power into the executive branch like accelerating that, uh, that trend in a way I think is concerning. Um, he is very dismissive of anything that questions his perfection, which is, to me, very disconcerting. He doesn't listen. Uh, and though you can't necessarily nail it down to one thing or another, I think he is a very, very, very very toxic influence and is and is is kind of poised to bring about a
1: really perverted Christian fascism that Uh, part is yeah that that's that is weird and I think going on there I
0: think it's valuable to not have him in there anymore however would any of with with the Republicans in the Senate Ever have started supporting them if it wasn't because of the voters they relied on? I mean,
1: okay, all right, but at the same time, when somebody like you know Nancy Pelosi, who she just is basically the face. By the way, so when I when I'm talking about Pelosi, I'm just talking about well, she decided. Like I know, but she but still, it's the face of what's going on. Uh, So if if somebody who has has been elected into office suddenly just becomes disliked that's essentially what feels like is going on here yeah okay he broke a rule he did i mean i think that's what we're all seeing very clearly is it any worse than some of the other rules that we've seen other presidents break i don't think so but
0: uh, there is the con like the context around it of i think they've tried to parse out like the emoluments clause, like he is profiting from the taxpayers and directing public policy in a way that does benefit him and his family politically, which is, which is uh, as transparent as it is, is unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, And people, people say like, well, you know how did Barack Obama leave the white house? He went in with 2 million and he left with 5 million, which isn't a great look, but a, a, He publicly disclosed his income and it was from in stock investments that he had a third party do for him so that's where that wealth came from he just happened to preside over the longest bull run in history so there's that side of it Mm -hmm. uh i don't i mean i think the fact that he took it upon himself to decide that the president can assassinate american citizens if they're suspected of terrorist ties. I think that's really uh, concerning. But yeah. not, the parties didn't take that up. The Republicans didn't run on that. In I the know. past there would have been other organs and other channels to do that. But it's ca- it's consolidated with capital uh, or w- with corporate capital and corporate control. So there's only a few voices that are ever heard. And while I I, I guess I just don't necessarily feel as though this move invalidates my vote um, I, I, I feel like the move is based off of other calculations and if anything it's to allow Joe Biden to get ahead of this story before the election because uh,
1: that's what they care about <laughs> Yeah, but he's doing a really good job of (laughs) shooting himself in the foot left and (laughs) right uh, the whole way down this trail. He's still leading the polls. I, you know, I can't, again, um, I just don't trust any of that stuff anymore. The polls. how many years have I been voting? No one has ever called me. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure who gets called. I don't know how these polls are taken. I don't know where they're taken. I know I know they tell you how they're taken. But I mean, it's, it's the idea that, you know, even in taking a sampling of people from different areas, it's still not, mm-hmm. it's just not the full story. And uh, I, 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 I still remember waking up and being surprised as all get out, that Donald Trump had been elected president. You didn't stay awake? I did not stay awake. I, I'm, I'm lazy that way. I tell you, it was amazing <laughs> watching PBS meltdown. <laughs> I did watch it the next day. I think it was CNN. I can't remember who the guy was. Uh, and I watched him have the meltdown the next day when I was, and I was, just laughed the whole time. Only because I just thought it was sad that he was doing this on national television, just having an all-out you know aneurysm yeah. over, this, uh, over this election.
0: Though I, I do got to say... It I I couldn't help but smile and laugh to myself that Hillary Clinton's party, they had it in the building because of the glass ceiling that it had. Oh. <laughs> oh. And then you just oh. fly into it like a dumb pigeon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, even with who Trump is, and I think that's part of the problem here is that it's trying to separate the office from who the from the person, and there's two different things there. And in in, in did he? So the question is, of course, did he break the rules of the office, right? And it, it sounds at this point like yes, he has broken yeah. a rule uh, within the office of presidency. Um, at the same time, you look at that one rule and you go, but what kind of weight does that rule carry, as opposed to? I don't know. I mean, pick something else, right? And see does it carry the same kind of weight of, as to what other presidents may or may not have done? I think the main thing is probably, and Sam Harris
0: would make this argument. In every scenario, I don't necessarily agree. But, but like, let's say Clinton versus, or V, Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the late 90s, Al-Qaeda pulls off the attack. I think it was on a, like a U.S., battleship or something a couple of marines died okay uh and then as retaliation clinton launched um like i said it wasn't officially retaliation they said that they uh, had a suspected chemical weapons site in sudan so they launched cruise missiles at it turns out it was uh um a pharmaceutical plant that's supplied 75 percent of the pharmaceuticals to all of sub-saharan africa and they oh, just wow. destroyed it and wow. like, oh whoops sorry yeah uh And Sam Harris and Noam Chomsky had an argument about this, where it's like, well, Al-Qaeda with 9-11, they are evil because their only intention uh, was to inflict harm on people. Whereas with the United States, it's uh, the only people that they, you know, like you have to, they were probably acting with good intentions, uh, because you know they they were trying to dismantle an organization that's trying to kill people, hmm. but but the results of the U.S.'s action is tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people dying of because they don't have medicine that they otherwise would have. Uh, whereas Al Qaeda, the fallout of theirs is a lot of people in the Middle East die because we invaded and killed. Right. Uh, I mean, and, and not not to say that there aren't terrorist attacks directly that kill people there Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to say that that dominion isn't also their goal Uh, but so I, I think with a lot of the examples I've seen trotted out in comparison to Trump where it's it's definitely shady and seems like something that people should be brought up on to at least take account of if not be brought up on charges for but but with those, a lot of it is just still within the same. Uh, it's within the realm of the United States government's interests at large. Not, I want to be reelected. The only thing I can think of that parallels to that is the Nixon tape, where he's, where he decides he's going to continue the Vietnam War as a as a campaign stunt. Fuck 'em fuck them if thousands die. That's. It's Obviously, this isn't his cows, but that's the only thing I can see where it lines up on the same kind of ground. Hmm. Uh, I guess I
1: don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I just, I think, I see what you're saying. Um, I think the, the part that really, again, it kind of pushes my own buttons on all of this, regardless of whether somebody... I, I guess I think it's hard for people to separate Donald their their viewpoint of Donald Trump from what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. So if this were not Donald Trump, let's say this was President Barack Obama, they would not bring up charges against Barack Obama because he's a very suave You know, does does a good job, uh, doesn't call people fake news, uh, doesn't do shady stuff otherwise, at least in a public... Well, look how Obama treated whistleblowers. Well, but he was also a politician, I guess is what I'm getting at. So Obama played the game a lot better. Well, I mean... Snowden. No, I know, I know, but (laughs) that's what I'm saying is that he is a politician, though. He played the game a lot better. Trump just is not a politician. Uh, But when you look at some of the... and, and, And I don't have things to point to at this point but when you look at the things that actually are happening now whether it's economically or so on uh it's not i i don't know i guess i'd like somebody to point out to me where are we where are we failing immensely that we weren't already failing before bang uh you know so um the area we live in here uh you know kind of a uh I'll just say there's a lot of dairy around, you know, in our area. You know, the, the dairy farmers have been struggling for years and years and years. That has not gotten any better. And it's not because of Donald Trump that that's an issue, right? So this is something that's been going on for a long period of time. Um, I don't see that being called up in the news. I don't see those issues always being um, fought over. And I think what, for what most people see then, that what I'm getting at with what Donald Trump has done this just is not going to affect the way most people see him. Yeah. He's already a bad apple. He was a bad apple when he was elected. I, I don't think this changes anybody's perspective on who he is. What it does do is it changes their perspective on somebody like Nancy Pelosi. If mm-hmm. they were ever on the fence with her, now they're like, God, she's just horrible. You know, or Adam Schiff, who was just, it was weird watching him. I don't know if you had, but he yeah. just, you know, he was so. Um, just that the whole thing was was kind of a joke, not because of him, but because of the way the people actually interacted with one another. There was no listening. There was no actual arguing.
0: Did you ever watch the Benghazi hearings? No, I never did. Uh, it was the Republicans did
1: it exactly well, well, the same. But that's thing. what. But that's the point, right? So this goes beyond party lines. This isn't a party line issue. This is a government politician issue and this is what i think most of the american people have been seeing for a long time they were tired of it elected somebody like donald trump to fix this stuff or at least to not pay attention to it so to me i'm guessing a lot of voters out there see what he's doing and they're going to give him a pass and say this is totally not a problem not saying he didn't break the law But just saying it's not a problem, you know, and it's kind of like when your kids do something wrong, you do weigh the gravity of what they've done wrong. Or when somebody wrongs you as an individual, you weigh the gravity of that, not based on did they break the rule, but rather how much pain will that rule being broken inflict upon others? Mm -hmm. And if it really doesn't affect other people, then why are we talking about it? Just because you want to talk about it, you know, or because you're looking for something and this is the best you can do because he hasn't murdered thousands of people yet. And you're saying he's going to because he talked about Biden in a phone call. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, I I just don't buy this uh, to that extent.
0: Well, I guess do recall that when all this started breaking, we seemed at the brink of like we were about to attack Iran. Yeah, Um,
1: that's true. And that just.
0: Dissolved, it away. did, yeah.
1: Which maybe it dissolved, or maybe we're just not hearing about I think it. Maybe uh, you always I, well, no. I mean, I, I always run with a healthy sense the, of skepticism the troops, that somebody's hand is kind of going, "Oh, look over here, look over here," and meanwhile they're sucker punching. Well, you the know, troops the person are in front of them. still
0: there, but w- talking yeah. about the Biden thing, it didn't allow the White House to say, "We have to do this. We have to do this." Here's the case. Uh, right. It kind of cut the legs out from under that. And so I guess I'm not entirely sure what what their plans were, but, like, if that was some sort of strategy with however this ended up starting, um, that, like, if we don't do this, we're going to be on a collision course to go to war with Iran, so let's do this instead, I I would have all the thanks in the world.
1: That's interesting. I mean, that could be a part of it. That's a pretty... I mean that it's a long it, shot. <laughs> well, but it's an interesting perspective. The other issue, um, you know, and, and I think that we seem to overlook a lot too. are there is a lot of positive that's come out of who Trump is. I mean, in the sense of what he has done. Forget the wall for a moment. You know, forget his rally cry for building a wall. Um, you know, just move away from some of the immigration issues. And look what is happening with our trade and with the way that there does seem to be now a sense of fairness, at least, in a, a recognized fairness. Whether you'll see that monetarily or economically yet, we'll have to wait and see. But as a businessman, you wonder if some of that playing hardball, is that the way to do it? You know, have we been, have we gone in too far with some of these, China being the biggest one right now? Well, I th- the think... The biggest player.
0: All right. So anyway, there certainly may be some gains uh, that the economy's made, and but I, joblessness was like just as uh, you know, farmers were struggling before Trump took office. Jobless rates were also you got it uh, going down. Yep. Um. And the really the only thing that has changed from the trend since Trump took office has been the stock market. Uh, and obviously the tax cuts were a huge part of that because of the half a trillion dollars in taxes that we cut from the federal budget without making actual cuts to programs, um, 475 billion of that went straight into the stock market. And the CEOs and the and, and executive officers, a lot of their pay is tied to stock options. Sure. Uh, and right, I mean, right now, stock dividends are outpacing profits for a lot of companies, which is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. Usually, it's fractional. Right. Um. And what is it? 85% of all stocks are owned by the richest 10% of the country. That's not counting 401k brokers or anything like that. Uh, and I, th- I think there are a lot of weaknesses in the monetary policy. And like we, there's a crash coming. It always happens. No one knows when it's going to happen. But I feel like the undergirding of our economy is incredibly weak like i said everybody is over leveraged in debt Ev- that's from the individual to the institution right everybody is uh not in a great place and wages are just now starting to tick up even though we're at in brown county we're at 2.2 percent unemployment yeah. and wages really haven't risen at all. No. Even in the manufacturing sector which has needed labor for more than 10 years. Right. Uh and so I mean I I feel like there's a sh- there's a lot of optimism and a lot of really good things
1: that people are saying but it's to me, I don't necessarily see well, the reason for it. Yeah, I mean, but that's part of the problem that you and I all both face, you know, is that, I mean, no matter which presidency, uh, and actually this is for most of the American people, any sense of optimism is very short-lived. It comes and goes with the with the administration. So even if a president gets eight years to try to do something— well, when that time is up, then it gets reversed, right? Yeah. The well, course I mean, changes the tax or, cuts alone you know, something else will happen.
0: The tax cuts alone, to me, are one thing that Trump has done that was uh, terrible for the American people. Yeah. And without, like, it, but the same- it, if, they, if they had included corresponding cuts and explained why and had that discussion and said, we're going to cut taxes and we anticipate it'll do this, it'll do it. But when the tax cuts don't go to the debt, they don't go to anything that benefits the American people. They go straight into the stock market.
1: Yeah. Fuck you. Right. So, but there are some other personal, probably more <clears throat> personal issues that that have yet to be addressed too. Not only by Trump, but also by his uh, predecessor. So, specifically thinking about health insurance. Um, that's one area that I, I've become acutely aware of over the last five years as we have been, my family and I have been part of the marketplace. You know, But to watch my health insurance, it is, every year it evolves. It changes again. Um, to now, like for my health insurance for 2020, not only do I have to pay an extra $100 a month for health insurance coverage, of which I can't figure out why, yeah. the only thing I can think that's different is uh, my salary changed a little bit, but That seems relatively unfair that even if my salary was $1,200 more for the year, the coming year, that now I have to pay $1,200 more for my health insurance. Uh, But on the flip side of that, too, in this area that we live in, the number of providers that are available to us is actually very minimal. Uh, So you don't have a lot of choice in which provider to choose from. The differences in those providers then are, are are nominal differences, so you have to make decisions on, well, do I want to pay a lot more for an emergency room visit, or do I want to pay a lot more for out-of-pocket, or how do I want to do this? And in my own family's case, we were notified this year by one of our, uh, one of our medical, um, you know, whatever, the physicians, um, that basically they would not be a part of the insurance plan that we had anymore that they couldn't come to an agreement with that insurance plan and so in 2020 we would need to seek a new provider or find a new uh medical practitioner yeah that sucks you know so again you're left with this i mean it's just insane this is all spiraled from the obama care admin that part of it and it, it'll it'll retain that name because it'll never get fixed so while we watch the economy of what's happening with Donald Trump in in, a, in, a, in an investor kind of way, but to the basic American who does not have millions of dollars invested in anything, who's just trying to make it day by day by day, they're getting screwed left and right by these kinds of laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where the Affordable Care Act was supposed to protect and help citizens— we have yet to see that. We have yet to see how anybody is being helped or served better because of that change. And that thing was ramrodded. We all watched that happen. Uh, it, it, it was just such a landslide to push that into being that, of course, it was going to be a debacle. Uh, and so, Do you we,
0: think they should have left the public option as part of it? That was
1: the plan, right? I mean, that should have been part of the plan was that you still had a public option, and now it's they, just yeah, as bad. This is just as bad now as um, like when you move into a, a small town and you only have one cable provider that you can choose from. It's the same thing. It just hasn't changed. It's a monopoly. Yeah, you've got a few different companies, but you're still screwed no matter what. You yeah. know, you can't really. So my point is that, you know, in what Trump has is doing <clears throat> or has done, I I just think it's going to be hard for the American public to see that this is a real problem because in their eyes, the real problem is I have to pay twelve hundred dollars more mm-hmm. on my insurance next year. 100%. And there's no understanding as to why that's the case, because that affects you know my bottom line, whereas what's going on with Hunter Biden I'll be honest. Screw him. Yeah. I, I screw all the Bidens. Who screw cares. the Trumps. I'll, I screw them Our all. Political because class went to right, they're, they're the ones who are screwing us. And Pelosi, when she stands up there with her gavel and has that smirk on her face, I it just made me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. I, I was so mad at her. I see that because she's doing the wrong. She's she's fighting the wrong battle. And the other issue then of, for those of us in the Midwest you know you you watch these are all east and west coast individuals making decisions where in in the midwest of america they have no clue what's going on here um so i think i I think the the corruption that you've really always done such a good job of pointing out is definitely there you know and trump's just as bad Mm -hmm. if not worse in many ways but the but the the principle of it, uh, it has not changed in the sense that it seems that every president, none of them are really fighting for the common person anymore. They're all invested in their own future or their own reality, yeah. which is deflating. And and that's why I say when, when I say comments like I feel like my vote doesn't matter anymore. That's why. I mean, every time you vote, it, it doesn't mean that, by the way, I won't say I will always vote. I still vote. But.
0: Do you get involved in any party activities? No,
1: I, I mean it just because that just doesn't interest me. You know, and I probably should, but it just is one of those. Write
0: your congressman.
1: <laughs> I think I did about one thing one time. Uh, you know, like I have, I have family members who write about other issues, and and uh, maybe it makes a difference along the way. I don't know, but I mean, if but in the history of of what we've seen, it just generally doesn't. They we're just we're we're dandruff on their on their collar. You know, they just flick us off and keep moving. And um, I know that sounds so pessimistic. Or
0: my call or answer my request to have an interview.
1: Doesn't this, but it sounds so pessimistic. And I hate to be that way. I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be depressed about it. Um, I don't, I, I don't, but I also don't want my, but I'll say my president, and I'm not just saying Trump is, I'm just saying the people that I don't want our president to just be removed because of things like this. Palace intrigue. Right. I want it to be something, you know, if, if it's going to be egregious, it needs to be egregious. It needs to be horrifyingly egregious or whatever. Um, you know, Nixon, that was kind of nasty, you know. Uh, and, but even with Clinton, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, this is weird, a pastor saying this, but so what happened? You know, what did he yep. do that was that, that terrible? I him get
0: taking money from the Chinese uh, was probably more impeachable than
1: this is my point, right? Than than having an extramarital affair, than doing what and, every
0: guy wishes he could have, or done. what every politician Face has
1: been doing. Then, but then what every politician <laughs> has been doing since the beginning of time? Yeah, like this hasn't changed. Yep. So why are we making you know mountains out of these molehills? And, and then and then.
0: Just what 20 some years later, or 10 20 20 some years later, to then call people who bring up the fact that Hillary Clinton stayed with the guy oh. for an, for what was an impeachable offense. That you're, I, I forget what the defense was like. Stop bringing that up. That's between them. Uh. You, I hate you. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway, so but but that idea of. Uh, you know, there might be some positive uh, political and social outcomes that come from Trump's style of
1: governance. I, and I'm not, I'm so like, even if it's realized, it, it, we won't realize it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just not. Even if there is something positive, it's just that we won't realize the positive changes. But then, like recently, you know, and I, I gosh, I wish I could, um, I had it at my fingertips earlier. But you know this most recent uh, issue with the smoking age now is up to twenty one, right? The uh, bill said ninety days, <sighs> so it's all taken effect of immediately. At least is what we're hearing, uh, which I think is strange. Yeah, for, uh, that's a little odd. Executive office to do. But there were other parts of that too, which I can't remember. But there were I mean there were some positive things in there, and a lot of this just gets overlooked. And I don't know if he's. If if these are things that are coming through different offices and he just kind of lumps them together and and you know or what happens, um, but there were some positive notes to some of this stuff that it'd be nice if they would highlight that every once in a while. So you got to read the Denmark news, <laughs> <laughs> just just so that we understand that our our country is not as bad off as we think it is. You know we, we're 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 doing okay. Um, yeah, there's some tweaking. You know, largest military budget ever. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we're still, we're still a democracy. We're we're still, I mean, we're a republic. You thank you. Yeah, I mean, we're still, we're 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 making our way, and uh, everybody just gets real panicked about these things, and they have a tendency to latch on. And so we live in this air of constant negativity right now, um, and it's no wonder that really we want to impeach Donald Trump. That totally makes sense to me, but I just don't see it flying in the long run i i don't know if no, i, I could i, I don't I, I was happened. gonna say if i can make some kind of a prophetic stance here <clears throat> um i do think for the 2020 election this is going to be a problem unless they re, unless you know i mean if, if you're a if you're a diehard democrat and you just think this is going to be the cat's meow uh i i think you're gonna find that this is just not going to work well um for democrats in the long run
0: Socialists at the turn of the century are so intriguing to me because generally they made exactly the same complaints right. that you hear everybody make all of the time. But they had a political organization behind them and encouraged people to join. And, and just overall, the political system like it, it needed people. Yeah. And so it wasn't. This closed off thing where we're waiting to hear what they do. Right. We're waiting to hear what a candidate does. It, like it was so much more involved and reliant on every single person in communities. That, I mean, it was still obviously there were still injustices and there were still uh, things that were mismanaged. But if people were angry, there was a way. To yeah. That. And they, for the most part. Uh, those discontents were heard Uh, and then it I don't know it was during the first world war that they found the way to control it and uh, as Walter Littman said manufacture consent for what they wanted to do yeah that's I don't know that started a trend of just pulling all of it back and making us more uh, uh, people who had to be sold to as opposed to Part of
1: the well, and that's what I'm wondering, like, so doesn't it, doesn't it feel more like when, when we have an impeachment, um, which it's funny because they say this is the only, the, the third time, right? And yet, um, well, Clinton was impeached, right? I mean, that was, but it didn't go to, uh, so they
0: did Andrew Johnson, but I don't think
1: they actually yeah. impeached in the House. Right, right. So I think that's the because they said this is the third time. So what are the first two that... that uh, Nixon and... and uh, see what I'm no, saying? He like he resigned before they did the vote. Okay.
0: So it was
1: Andrew Johnson. And then uh, Clinton? Yeah. So it, it is kind of weird, though, that... I mean, I've lived through two of these, if that's the case. And it, that's why... I, maybe I'm just getting more jaded as it goes on because of that. But it just... It, it makes you feel as though they're not your your vote is not about then electing a president your vote is about uh somehow winning and and that doesn't make any sense that's a that's a um that's bizarre to me uh your vote really should be about trying to yeah about trying to to kind of put forth your ideologies or whatever um and that doesn't seem to be the way that it's working anymore it the electoral college? actually i have no idea i know very little about the electoral college I i'm
0: not entirely sure where this changed but i mean at least in 1924 uh it was you weren't voting for a president uh who were party delegates that the party had said you are a candidate for the Electoral College, so then you would vote for those people based on their judgment of who you think they would vote for at the actual convention of the Electoral well, College.
1: Well, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and then... So, I don't know, it's kind of strange. Hmm. And it's like, in a way, it seems like it's... I mean, I, it is less direct democracy, but I think on the lower then that then that, that encourages more involvement and to like be a more capable person in your own community and in your society uh and hmm. more reflective of broader social or local uh, values i think because right. like if, if if a guy is untrustworthy shit people are gonna know that and they're not gonna vote for him right That because the party itself is made up of local people because those local people want to eventually maybe be an elector one day, right? Right, and now it's just, oh, you're rich, you can raise money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Man, that does seem to be the case, too. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and again, I know I feel like I've said this all the time because, like, I have a lot of uh, and maybe I I romanticize that era of time a bit.
1: Thinking back to when? the, Like, like the
0: uh, late, late 19th, early 20th. Sure, think. okay. Because um, it's like it, uh, racism was real. Yeah. Uh, people did die a lot from not being able to keep the
1: water <laughs> oh like, so clean <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, it was shit. Oh my god. That is so romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a law of average that way. Yeah. But
0: just the, the mechanics of how the society maintained itself are just so much more admirable than what we
1: have to do. You know, but some of that too, and and maybe that's a, a good perspective to keep when you talk about it's it's a bit of a romantic understanding. Um I mean, we do the same thing in church world. We we look back and go, Oh, wasn't it wasn't it great when you know the church was like this and when we had this and when we did that and when all these pesky <sighs> Yeah, that was great, actually. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, uh, you know, but the, the, the reality, even for the church, is that none of those times truly existed. You know, they, they exist in our minds, looking back and trying to read between the lines. But those golden ages that that people look back to weren't really there. I mean, even in those moments, because. That's right. So the, like let's say the people in the late 1800s, you know, early 1900s would have been looking back at the 1700s. Oh my god, wasn't it great back in the late 1700s, you know, when and who knows what they were thinking at that time. So Is it great that we're now
0: away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh it's I suppose every generation or every, you know, whatever looks back and says that. What's unique about our current situation though? is now we have a generation who is actually wanting to erase all of that yeah. and is actually then starting wanting to say well if it's not in if it's not part of my history book that I've created then it doesn't matter right and that's a whole different perspective altogether and that'll probably have large implications for society in the next 50 to 100 years we'll see what that does right. fortunately I'll be dead by then <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just be I'll be gone I used to be really
0: into that
1: but yeah. what, 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 were, what were we talking about though well, we were gonna bring up- <laughs> I was going to say this was supposed to go someplace well, what the hell is wrong with us today so this, <laughs> this little known magazine- oh that's right that's right Christianity Today Mm. Why did they weigh in? Did they, does that, I mean, for somebody that, I doubt you go to the newsstand looking for Christianity today. (laughs) All right, maybe at Walmart there still isn't. No, not really. Yeah, okay. So let's say you go to a, uh, oh, I do know of like a, a, a magazine shop. In a downtown city nearby, also sells nice, yeah, sells nice tobacco. Um, Yes. Uh, At any rate, um, we should go together sometime. Then I, it's been a long. I usually get uh, pipe tobacco there, and I have no idea what I'm getting. So they just let me smell it all. It's just phenomenal.
0: No, I haven't. uh, I haven't gone there and browsed for a while, but I swear.
1: They just got tons of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'll try it. And it's.
1: uh, I read it daily now. It's great. It's It's a good one. Yeah. So, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh it would be kind of cool but so you don't have christianity today as something that most people are looking to read unless you are involved in that right
0: i looked it up they have one hundred thirty-five
1: thousand subscribers okay which is that's pretty pretty amazing i was gonna say that's pretty good and
0: uh overall they estimate their readership at about
1: 250 mm. uh, okay Yeah.
0: Of course you are an idiot.
1: So that would be the more conservative uh, generally maybe more aligned with Republican if we want to think of it politically yes, um but take, those lines are getting blurred a lot more and I think that's what causes this article to be yeah such I a think, big deal. I think that
0: that's a big part of what they're saying. It's like they're kind of drawing the line in the sand with morality uh, based on their At at least, as far as I understand, they're the first major organization like this to draw a distinction between um, their loyalty to God and their loyalty to Donald Trump. Okay. So I guess uh, I guess we give it a read. Yeah. Why don't you? Sure.
1: Oh, don't say that. But go ahead.
0: Uh, In our founding documents, Billy Graham explains. It's founded by Billy Graham, by the way. That's right. Like, 63? Yeah. Billy Graham explains uh, that Christianity Today will help evangelical Christians interpret the news in a matter that reflects their faith. The impeachment of Donald Trump is a significant event in the story of our republic. It requires comment. The typical CT approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice, according to their convictions and treat their political oppositions as charitably as possible. We want CT to be a place that welcomes Christians from across the political spectrum and reminds everyone that politics is not the end and purpose of our being. We take pride in the fact for instance that politics does not dominate our homepage. That said we do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions on political matters clear. Always, as Graham encouraged us, doing so with both conviction and love. We love and pray for our president as we love and pray for our leaders, as well as ordinary citizens, on both sides of the political aisle. Let's grant this to the president. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one, and therefore nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has led many to suspect not only motives, but facts in these recent impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. The facts in this instance are unambiguous. The President of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the President's uh, political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution. More importantly, it is profoundly immoral. The reason many are not shocked about this is that the President has dumbed down the idea of morality in his administration. He has hired and fired a number of people who are now convicted criminals. He, he himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationship with women, about which he remains proud. His Twitter feed alone, with its habitual string of mischaracterizations, lies, and slanders, is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. Trump's evangelical supporters have pointed to his Supreme Court nominees, his defense of religious liberty, and his stewardship of the economy, among other things, as achievements that justify their supporters. I believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear, in a way the Mueller investigation did not, that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional right. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political danger we face under such uh, under a leader of such grossly immoral character. This concern for the character of our national leader is not new in CT. In 1998, we wrote this. The president's failure to tell the truth, even when cornered, rips at the fabric of the nation. This is not a private affair, for above all, social intercourse is built on a presumption of trust. Trust that the milk your grocer sells you is wholesome and pure. Trust that the money you put uh, trust that the money you put in your bank can be taken out of the bank. Trust that your babysitter, firefighters, clergy, and ambulance drivers will all do their best. And while politicians are notorious for breaking campaign promises, while in office they have a fundamental obligation to uphold our trust in them and to live by the law. And this. Unsavory dealings and moral acts by the president and those close to him have rendered this administration. Unfortunately, the words that we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago uh, apply almost perfectly to our current president. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. Hmm. To the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this. Remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world would say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of politi- political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortions, great evil, that cannot be tolerated, and with the same straight face, say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? We have reserved judgment on Mr. Trump for years now. Some have criticized us for our reserve, but when it comes to condemning the behavior of another, patient charity must come first. So we have done our best to give evangelical Trump supporters their due, to try to understand their point of view, to see the prudential nature of so many political decisions they have made regarding Mr use an old cliche, it's time to call a spade a spade. To say that no matter how many hands we win in this political poker game, we are playing with a stack deck of gross gross immorality and ethical incompetence. And just when we think it's time to push all our chips to the center of the table, that's when the whole game will come crashing down. It will crash down on the reputation of evangelical religion and on the world's understanding of the gospel. And it will come crashing down on a nation of men and women whose welfare
1: So I have a question for you then. Um, the, the one thing, because they, they reference the moral fabric a lot, right? Is the president's job to uphold the moral fabric of our, our country? Is that his, in your view, like, how does that, how does that fit?
0: government is to be of uh, by for the people mm-hmm. part of its extension is the morality. So Iraq and our interaction there, because it's done in our name with our dollars and it's our collective morality that's at stake in doing things like that. And so therefore President, since it is a direct vote, or since it is vote, the fact that we choose somebody, and especially with the re-election, choose them again, uh, is—I I do think—probably reflective of um, the morals or the ethics of the electorate that they're supposed to be representing.
1: Okay, so that's—it's it, okay, so that's helpful then, right? To kind of ground where Christianity today is coming from so morality for them is founded within the 10 commandments mostly okay so you you've got a very simple set of guidelines uh, which are not so simple actually even though they are simple so that's where they're coming from but of course based on what you and I would identify as like political morality it'd be a little broader than the 10 commandments there'd be other issues like uh, is it justified to go to war with this particular country versus not going to war, or um, you know things of that nature, which might be you know outside of the realm of what the Ten Commandments would say? Most would argue that, like abortion, for example, is uh, a problem because it violates one of the commandments: don't murder. Right? That's the basic argument of morality for something like abortion. So. In Christianity Today's approach to all of this, you know, they're looking at the president as a a moral herald. Wouldn't they have to denounce almost every president of all of time? Or are all of our presidents morally upstanding citizens primarily because some hide it better than others? Like I'm confused, and, and I know you've got some input on this, but I think what I'm confused about is, and what I'm the real question I'm asking is, is morality something we see, or is morality something different than that? Is it deeper down? Uh, so, if it's just something we see, so then it's a game to me. That's it, who can hide it better, versus morality deep down would mean your character, right?
0: they're talking here is the reasons to question the morality of Trump and then
1: of Clinton before him. Yeah. And they did, they issued a similar uh, up- Yeah, same edict. Yeah. With Nixon. Yeah. Too. Right.
0: Um, obviously you can't make a judgment on something that you can't see. Uh It's when those things that you can't see that are bad come to light that it is condemned. And I think the fact that Trump doesn't necessarily hide it
1: uh, is, That's. Okay, what are
0: <laughs>
1: I know that I don't mean to laugh about it, but that actually, you're exactly right. It makes you kind of go like, "Well, then, how bad is this really, right?" And so,
0: and I think probably the broader point too is that as Christians who say we need a more moral society, do you maybe lose some of your high ground by defending someone who does not at all embody what you say? your ideal or what you know is God's ideal. Right. So don't you kind of you probably miss out and alienate yourselves from spreading the word of God in the vein of political expediency.
1: Sure. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at is that the problem is that they're Christian. That's that's why this is actually I think this editorial although it's probably in many ways just spot on, but there's this piece that's barking at me, which is the fact that they're Christians talking about morality and that that is a that's a real difficult thing to do. Certain moral principles are are obviously understandable, but even as Paul, uh, St. Paul would talk about in the New Testament, different groups um, and whether or not they were uh, eating certain foods or whether or not they were doing certain practices. I mean, those in a sense became moral dilemmas for what to do about these people, you know, and Paul would often defer to, well, uh, you know, does it really matter? Okay. He would, and not to boil, not to always oversimplify it that way, but that's a lot of times where it would come down to: Does this is this an issue that's really going to matter in the grand scheme of things? So Christian morality—it's just so ridiculous. So let's say uh, let's pick on uh, let's pick on drinking, for example. Uh, uh, that uh, you know, prohibition was a great thing for Christians. Oh, it was great for Christians. They that's just. They just loved the fact that no one could drink, right? Except for Lutheran Christians. But but the, uh, all the German Christians and otherwise. But, um, but a lot of the Christians just loved the fact that alcohol was now illegal. But why is that a moral issue, right? So, you know alcohol isn't the problem in that scenario it's the actions that often happen if somebody is intoxicated maybe they beat some like they they abuse their spouse or their children or maybe they gamble their money away who knows they just can't make right decisions and so maybe that's part of the effect or that morality Uh, but there's still a notion even today that amongst a lot of protestant groups that taking even a sip of wine is an immoral act, right? It will do something to your inner nature, your inner character. And so the judgment of morality coming from a magazine like Christianity Today, it it's just I'm having a hard time processing it because they don't they aren't the group that I would really understand. I, I just don't know what morality they're expecting. You know, what is it that you're looking for? If if you're asking a president to not murder then any president that's ever been involved in a war, ever, is an immoral president. Any president who's not fighting against a war and saying, we need to get our troops out of here and end this war now, is an immoral president. So that's why I don't understand, you know, why is this issue of morality one that's so egregious to them versus something else? I um,
0: mean, but I... I don't really
1: <laughs> right, but... but yeah. Uh, the fact
0: that they did point to the fact that he lies all the time, and everybody knows her, Um, and it just doesn't matter anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, like, somehow we've become numb to it, maybe, or... And,
0: and yeah, and not like typical politician lies.
1: Right. These are like just outright boldface. Yeah. Yeah. Which...
0: Your response was very thoughtful, hmm. very grounded. I think you brought up points I didn't necessarily consider. So, in place of you saying something,
1: well. But, you know, before you get to that, too, though, I, I just it's what they're saying is right. You know, that's the problem. It's just that their approach is kind of weird to me. Yeah. I, I just wish they would rather rather than talking about morality, just talk about the fact that these are are just these go against the laws that are laid out for who the president is supposed to be. That's all we're trying to judge here. But when you start talking about morality, it's a whole philosophical issue.
0: Well, but they did say like I whether or not it's the impeachment or whether or not it's the election coming up.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true.
0: As you consider it, as you watch it, like come fuck guys.
1: Yeah. No. I. I, That's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, let's hear what John Muir, because he, you had mentioned that he he talks about this quote-unquote little known, uh little known which. Christianity today is not a little known magazine. And well, um,
0: Considering all of the Christian views that, that he puts forth and uh, apparently holds so dearly, he, he would,
1: he, would he be in the mix. He would be in the mix of this. He would be in the mix of this. Yeah. Uh,
0: before I start playing, uh, do oh boy. Uh, heads or tails? Is he? Uh, oh, wait, no, sorry, 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 Would you say that he's maybe a subscriber?
1: Hmm. I think he's gotta be a subscriber. Oh, I don't. I don't think he reads. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well played. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, poor John. All right, let's hear what he's got going on. The ominous music begins. Dun dun, dun, dun. Uh we saw him last time. I I was sh- I was just shocked at how young he is.
0: Is he addressing
2: what
1: Christianity today said? Not yet. <laughs> uh huh. Not yet. Does he actually get well we'll have to find out here. What, what's your guess? I, oh. All right. On this one I'm gonna say he does not get to Christianity today. Or at least if he does, it's horrible. Oh, at least if he does, it is not even close. All right. I'll take the under. There we go.
3: And your- Which they said in the article. <laughs> <laughs> in the instead of president Trump, uh, Do you realize what's going to happen? Then you're going to have a president who is all for abortion, the killing of innocent children, which uh, I don't think God looks too favorably on that, and, uh, which they talked about. Uh, Donald Trump in the White House, huh? folks, at Christianity today. Uh, what do you think it's going to look like
0: if uh, today? Demo- he had to look at his legal pad to remember the name of the
1: <laughs> person. <place. laughs> <up>. uh, Christianity <laughs> today.
0: John're not willing to fight to take a stand
1: it's strange how he gets really worked up about I mean an issue where he's he's claiming it's on the right and left and so on and that because they're on the right they should be saying a certain I mean he's basically indicting them of the same issues that we would otherwise indict folks on the left yeah. who are making up rules as they go along well he's just making up for folks on the right now these rules that they have to abide by and that's unfair yeah. i mean that really is not Christ...
0: like, it doesn't even seem like, like he's not even recognizing like really the cultural significance of christianity today doing this yeah i mean says, you're it's another anti-trump thing yeah out there. in
1: fact I, I feel as though I want to say I read an article where Franklin Graham, uh, the son of Billy Graham, was upset about the the piece yeah. uh, that they had written and, and was upset that they had used his father's name to invoke, you know, this coming out because he was such a, um, and I, I I couldn't you know cite it all, but the the different presidents that that Billy Graham was associated with and so on, but you know the, the evangelical right does always seem to get an in with. With presidents, especially Republican presidents, rather, yeah. uh, right now Trump has chosen Paula White Kane, uh, who's crazy. she's nuts. She is absolutely certifiably three hundred percent nuts. Did you know her husband was the keyboard player for Journey. I did not know that, but now that you say that, I remember there was a uh, a video of her a few years ago, and it was her husband at their church playing on the keyboard. <laughs> Uh, and they were singing Don't Stop Believing because that song is, yeah, exactly. But you know, she's she is nuts, and and yet he pulls her in. But see, they always look for who is the top evangelical leader of the time, yeah. And and she's not a good one. I mean, I went to Barnes and Noble, you can find her books, they're all there. And you read through the first four pages and you realize this is horseshit. I mean, it's horrible reading. Um, and I don't know why more people can't see that, you know, but anyway. Yeah. yeah oh God, you know how to get me anyway what let's finish up, John to defend, uh, a guy who is an innocent successful, duly innocent, successful.
0: Innocent, Thomas,
1: successful. <laughs> He looked again. <laughs> well, first of all john once again you've said the same thing six times in a row i don't know why you can't come this out with something i mean it's just it's it's sad that your whole three-minute vlog is spent basically just lamb blasting Uh, a magazine, and it's not even for what they actually wrote. It's for who you think they should be.
0: Oh, you think something? Here's all. Here's the Republican talking (laughs) points. You guys are
1: idiots.
2: (laughs) That is exactly how it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: man. So, I mean, and again, I, I, as you were reading that Christianity Today piece, it sounds... I mean, that's a well-written opinion. Yeah, it's not, not like they're far off the mark. I would just take issue with a few of the, the ways that they approached it, but in the end, their conclusion is pretty yeah, spot on. It's,
0: it's not as though they're, like, making the— like, I mean, again, they're not saying he should be impeached right now. No. They're saying, like, either one way or the other.
1: This is a problem for our society yeah. and, and for our nation and, and so uh, on.
0: So then for John to just only focus on— what the Democrats have said about the impeachment and just project all of that (laughs) Christianity today.
1: Well, so tell me more about uh, this. You said it was Christian fascism, right? Is that the word? Uh, Tell me more. What do you mean by that? Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) We don't need to go to Greece. Uh,
0: (laughs) Well, it's like Paul A. Cain or Sarah Palin. Yeah.
1: like are you thinking the way you're looking because I guess what I'm trying to figure out so the way you're talking about that Christian fascism this is where Christianity becomes almost identifiable as a instead of just being a religion it's now a form of political part of the, parties part of the state oh, okay alright
0: in a time when the state also merges with everything else okay and like, the difference is between difference between communism and fascism. Because in communism, there's no, in, or there's no privately held industry, whereas in fashion, the privately held industry works hand-in-hand with the state. Okay. Uh, and so that's why the business class in America has supported a lot of uh, fascist leaders up, uh, up until uh, some of the atrocities are pretty widely known. Then they kind away Uh, but it does promote a lot of efficiency in terms of uh, you know being able to produce things being able to forecast being able to reach different markets is if you work hand in hand with the people in power you're kind of good to go right Uh, and i see like i mean and john's a branch of it uh just that anger
2: mm-hmm. that, like, like
0: the legitimate anger that they have from being uh m- i mean mostly white people yep. in midwest america yep. who have just lost everything about their society thanks to uh kleptocratic bankers and technocratic uh elites who just sold them down the river to make 60 cents more right um, That anger that they have is 100% justified. But the culture we have around us is just illusion that there's no way to express that because socialism and communism have just been erased from our history. So there's no vocabulary. there's There's no method that people know how to feel about that other than hate tribal politics because at this point I can't fight for myself I have to hate the people who
1: don't fight for me. Right. Um, oh, that's a good point because that's actually almost verbatim what he was saying, right? <laughs> that essentially that Christianity today is not fighting for uh, or not defending Donald Trump. I mean, is yeah. that what I heard them saying? Oh, so I, that I, I, because they're of the same tribe, so to speak, that they should yeah, somehow Yeah. are
0: on the same side naturally. What are you doing here?
1: Mhm. Uh, hmm. That's a dangerous game, though, isn't it? I mean, to to assume that somebody like Christianity Today, like a, a publication, couldn't think independently of their their so and so to speak leader. But I mean, again, in, in John's case, I, mean, I guess I find it odd. I mean, Trump is not a religious leader; he's just a he's a president. I know, but he shouldn't be a religious leader, as I right. I, I mean, like
0: that's what Christianity today is saying. It's like, despite every reason why we should not fucking support this guy, or why why he's not congruent with our religious beliefs, he is.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, and it's just one of those weird things. I mean, what? Like, I mean, the evangelicals have embraced him from or the prosperity gospel people have embraced him.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I have some family down in the South uh, who would be considered Southern Baptist and they I mean, it's like it's 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 not fair to say hook, line and sinker. So I'm going to stay away from that, although that's where my mind goes. But that's not quite the description. It's more uh, that they are just blindly following that this is our republican president we've got to support him no matter what and so they do go to bat i mean they just left and right on facebook man it's crazy to watch them swinging away and swatting at everybody else uh if they dare say one wrong thing about him um so, i mean how far do
0: you really think we are from like, uh, trump sent that letter to pelosi that uh said this said it was treasonous uh violation of the oath to defend the Constitution. Uh, how far are we away, really, from saying all Democrats uh, are enemies of the state now? Hmm. They, all they want to do is get in the way. We're trying to make things great. We're trying to make America great again, and they don't want it because they're enemies of you and they're enemies of America.
1: You could see it getting to that point, couldn't and, you?
0: I, yeah. I, I mean, I remember... October, so before the midterms, when he did this big announcement about uh, the caravan was on its way, oh my god, and just in the middle of the day, I mean, I remember I was delivering our, uh, delivering, I had the radio on, this when I used to still listen up but it just broke, um, in the middle, where it was like, President Trump's going to have a press conference, and I was just like, oh no, <laughs> and literally, I mean, I was, Shoot a drop hmm. from martial law. Like these people they're straight our system. We're gonna get get them all like, yeah, if they're evil or not. And uh, that didn't happen. They just no. closed. People gotta come to a port of entry. Democrats have to pass legislation using that it's like election stunt. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I worry about that a lot. Yeah. Because of any
1: Yeah, it does seem, I mean, it's it, it feels like we're on that edge. Um, and, of course, now Republicans would, well, our evangelical counterparts, okay, would probably say that, uh, you know, it felt that way for them when Obama was in office, uh, that they just weren't able to be Christians, that he was uh, basically saying, and much like what John Muir is reflecting here, um, that, uh, that there's like a litmus test for Christians. And what I think he's alluding to I'm not mistaken, was the um, the uh, questions, what justice was it that was asking um, questions about, what was this for? Was it for the Supreme Court for um, asking about Kavanaugh's Christianity? Was that part of it? I don't remember, but anyway, I think that's what he's alluding to. There was there was something like that going on, you know, where they were basically Democrats were seen as 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 trying to squash Christianity, and there's probably some truth to that too. I mean, you do see it happening, but it doesn't feel like you know it's. That martial law threat's not in the background, let's just put it that way. Uh, Most of the people just kind of go, eh, whatever, that's them. They can be their version of Christian, we'll be our version of Christian, you know, or something like that. Whereas I think you're right, (laughs) Trump. It does feel like you're just waiting for that to happen. You're waiting for them to suddenly just say, all right, boys, get the guns. We're going out, arrest every Democrat you see. You know, it's Red Scare all over again or something. I don't know. To
0: be fair, I mean, I did also have this fear under (laughs) Obama.
1: But that must have been different. So what was it about with him?
0: Um, I guess it was mainly uh, like seeing. Because they built up a lot of authority be able to do that okay and i guess that alone to me was just nervous or made me nervous um i guess yeah now that i look back on it personally i was at no threat
1: well uh, but it does make me makes me wonder personally if if because if you're sensing that in in different you know uh presidencies especially that if that's not some kind of political intentionality, like p- political maneuvering, rather um, that they do that kind of stuff in order to keep us at a certain level of fear about what's going on, I I, I don't know. I mean, on terrorism, yeah, yeah, right. I, right. I know, I know. But maybe you know, you hate to think that that they would do something, you know, that sinister.
0: But it's like right now. I mean, imagine with all. Of that are placed in the executive branch and, and in the military for this war on terror, uh, if there was ever a political movement, like, let's say, similar to the civil rights, yeah. that was saying we need to end the war on terror, right. uh, if, it was, if it ever got to that point of 100,000 people, uh, the Army would have, the military would have the authority to first arrest all of them, assassinate the leaders um and be able to track all of their uh phone messages all of all their social media be able to get be able to hack into all their electronic communications and 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 those of the people they're close to yeah uh to be able to piece together a picture of who were the leaders who did this and uh send a message so in reality Hmm. a movement like that will never be possible again. Not
1: without some kind of retribution right away, right?
0: It'll be out yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good perspective.
0: Hmm. <laughs> and so I just... I, and it it's... A, a lot of my old friends and family members have been kind of coming to me of late, like, I don't know, last two, three months and saying, uh, you know, I used to think you were kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, like. it feel as
1: as the Prophet Charlie. It's
0: just sad. Yeah. Depressing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I just got I actually just got done reading a book um called uh Seculosity. I it was a interesting read only because the author uh what he ends up trying to do is he's he's talking about all these different things that happen in our lives. And uh, the way we try to basically fill up, you know, like create it, uh, we're trying to find enough in our life in order to fulfill ourselves and, and so on and so forth. And this could be through parenting, it could be through politics, could be through religion in particular and things like that. But, you know, even in this scenario, and, and it sounds like it was for somebody like John, I mean, it really is – it's like the president has become part of his enoughness, right? The president, that if the president is deemed illegitimate or if the president is deemed to be unfit for office, he will lose a part of himself. Yeah. And I and I would I would venture to guess that there's a lot of other people like John out there, similar to what you're saying, who are just waiting because if they lose that part of them, they're going to go ape nuts and they're just going to absolutely...
2: This is my time!
1: Yeah. Right. Well, and so I mean, yeah. I'd be a little nervous about that happening, you know. Um, yeah. I, I and and think about even when Trump was elected into office, and how uh, you know, again, I'll go back to I woke up that morning, <laughs> I looked outside, and I thought, well, he hasn't you know pushed the nuclear buttons yet or whatever, and. Um, and I think there were a number of people on, on college campuses and otherwise that were just losing their ever loving minds. Who were, uh, you know, they 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 were crying, sobbing, you know, locating themselves in these places where they, they felt like they were safe. You know, that suddenly the world was out to get them. And it's like, oh my God. So I mean, this is on both sides of the aisle at this point. I don't know what has caused this in humanity. Uh, I don't know what's created it, but man, it's kind of scary. And maybe it's always there. Like, maybe it's always been there. I don't know.
0: I just... The women's march that like, it happened the day of the day after his inauguration. Yeah. That was so dumb. Because <laughs> you're just immediately characterizing any opposition against him as doing it just because it's him. Right. Because you're out here. He said bad things about girls sometimes. Uh, I don't know Just looked like a bunch of idiots Because <laughs> they weren't doing it for anything No I know uh, It's it's not as though He was about to Like there wasn't
1: even the in- inclination That he was going to go out and like enslave women Right So that men could fuck him Yeah uh, I know I know Probably would have got more votes <laughs> <laughs> He might have <laughs> uh, Man So, what do you make of all this? I mean, what's what with with what John's saying, and you know, what where do we go from here? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Um,
0: Hmm. Because even like, I I was with Bernie in, in 16. Yeah. To Clinton was really a blow to the balls. Yeah. Uh, and I did vote for her and I hated myself for it. <laughs> uh, I did. <laughs> but now that we're here with the Democrats coming around and in their cycle, it, it's confirming how fraudulent everybody who gets to that stage is yeah like, it's like they don't really have ideas uh they're not really even saying anything that resonates with the people like bernie said like everyone's scared that he's a democratic socialist but never once really as he talked about the finance system uh the stuff that during the early part of the decade kind of brought him to prominence a little bit and now was not saying anything about it hmm. I. That makes me question, um, hmm. and that there's just no, uh, kind of like Star Wars. There's no like sense of the humanity or like genuineness behind anyone. And I maybe that's yeah. been the case forever. Uh, but I mean, at least look in, in historical documents, historical examples. It's like you know that people were, were playing some kind of game, but the end of the day they did believe that what they were putting forth was going to benefit people yeah uh, it wasn't just self-adulation and that's what it feels a lot of this is now is i want to feel important
1: well for me this also then begs bigger questions about even our, our own country and you know i mean maybe we're too big <laughs> I mean, it sounds stupid, but maybe this country is just too big for one president. You know what I mean? Like, maybe this is uh, a, a part of being this massive country that we will always feel this kind of this on um, so that it, it's it's never quite goes our way. And, and even if it were to go our way, we probably wouldn't really win. You know, I mean, people make I mean, we've seen it time and time again with our politicians not that they lie, but although they probably do, but the things that they say they're gonna do, they don't do, and then the things that they don't say they're gonna do, they do. You know, so they're serving somebody's interest, but it's not Charlie Barley's, you know, and it's certainly not Pastor Bill's. <laughs> you know, and that's I think that's probably why you're so drawn, and myself too, to um, candidates who are a little more, um, I'll say, a little more human. Uh, they really seem to be able to, to get down on a personal level. The 2016 election, I, I, I just wanted to die. I could not figure out what to do. I, I could not. And I, and I was one of those that, I mean, I, I've always felt that sense of obligation. I've got to vote. It's my, it's my privilege and right. And I, I sat outside our, our little voting office here and I thought, man, I, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I've been watching everything and, and I had no idea. Uh, you know, and as, as myself as a, uh, an independent, whatever that even means anymore, could not figure out how to wade through the pool. I'll call it the cesspool of politicians. Could not figure it out. So, I mean, there's no—Trump is, you know, Trump is definitely not the solution to the problem. And he's obviously creating additional problems. Um, I don't know that uh, Hillary would have been the solution either. I think you probably would have had maybe some more consistency, at least with understanding for Republicans, it would have been a consistency in understanding who their enemy was, because it would have been just like having Barack, you know, in there. And for Democrats, it would have been consistency in the fact that all these things are now just going to keep moving forward. I don't know, something like that. Man, I'll be curious to see what happens in the 2020 election. Very curious. Not kind of in a good way either. I don't feel good about it. This will be I, very I bizarre, third right? Third I mean, come on! How many years have Everybody's we been waiting, been right? Well,
0: libertarians are so
1: stupid too. But what that? So in I, twenty, I hate them. so back in twenty twelve, no, no. Uh, let's go back even further, two thousand eight. Right? There was an opportunity, the Tea party. In, in right in all of that, where did all this go? The Republicans co-opted it. I mean, a, but that, it does that even make any started, sense it was though? Yeah. Obama got into office and he was
0: threatening to raise taxes on all their business interests. So then all of a sudden, Fox News is given this time to these, Oh, Tea Parties! What is this? Yeah. And then it actually did resonate with people's interests.
1: Yeah. And well, I'll I'll admit at the time it resonated with me quite a bit. You know, yeah, no, elements. You know, two of those rallies. Yeah. Yeah, it resonated. I was like, well, this is something. And I I even took like a little, uh, you know, like one of those (laughs) magazine type quizzes. You know, what kind of, where do you, where are you on the political spectrum? And I suddenly found out, I'm like, oh, God, this is why I've always felt like I'm an independent. Because Republican and Democrat really don't fit for me. You know, it's.
0: There's always been, in history, there's always been options in between. Like, they don't necessarily have a lot of staying power. They don't necessarily gain any seats or anything. But they, those parties are there as arms of expression. For yeah. People. So it forces the people in power to respond, and and it forces change because otherwise they're not going to change anything because having all the power and money is pretty nice. Hmm. Uh, and now that's just evaporated from our life. It's it's nowhere to be found. And even, like as political as everybody is, nobody. I know, uh, is going to like the Republican, the Brown County Republican caucus next month, right? To decide their platform, right? Uh, or the Democratic, like, they never, their operations, like, even at the county and state level, are, are meaningless, uh, to people who have a million things invested, right? In, in the success or failure of parties. Whereas, uh, where I sit is I just, So how democracy. Right. There's no civic mindedness. And to me, that uh that that spells I don't know. I I I think we are just headed to some sort of totalitarianism Hmm. and that to me is another sign that we are.
1: What do you think about Andrew Yang? Is he an actual democrat?
0: Um I don't know, but I I'm liking him.
1: That's why I'm wondering, though, because there's something about him that appeals to me, too, and I can't figure it out. He's a real guy. But he's a Democrat, but not really, right? I mean, like, so he's running as a Democrat. But, yeah, there's no other party. But,
0: <laughs> well, and that's, the debates are run, they used to be run by the League of Women Voters. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they dropped it, but now it's run... Uh, By the parties themselves, and so in order to get press time, uh, or like like the Democrats, the Democratic Party gets paid for the debate to be uncertain.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, So that might be problem number one. And by the way,
0: yeah. Hmm.
1: Uh,
0: But with presidential debates, that used to be run by legal. Stopped, and now it's run by the Committee on Presidential Debates, which is just uh, Republicans and Democrats, and then they arbitrarily set the rules, and they arbitrarily contract, and... Hmm. So, I mean, Ross Perot, he died this year, last, yeah, this year actually. Um, he was the last third party to ever be in there. And you go back and watch that debate, and it... I was struck by two things. The first was how goddamn poignant Ross Perot sounds talking to NAFTA. <laughs> and the second was just the seriousness of the debates that there was. I mean, and like Bob Dole and Bill Clinton, you know, they're, or no, it's George Bush and Bill Clinton. They're still just kind of throwing out the political lines. And so he, it's so obvious they're rehearsed. Uh, the moderator didn't necessarily—I want to who it was. The moderator didn't necessarily tolerate that. Like he would press for a further questions. Like when a question was posed, it was by someone who demonstrated that they understood the issue that they were asking. Them. Right. And so it's like they would take out kind of the the simple things that you could say. Right. And make you at least have to prepare a statement on something that's two or three steps down the road. Than just oh, Osama bin Laden
1: was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah.
0: I don't know. It, it, I don't know what happened to us.
1: Yeah, and it didn't take very long either. Well, I mean, I, I was watching some of the Democrat the Democratic debates, and uh, it really. Um, I don't know, it was just alarming how different first of all all the candidates were trying to make themselves yeah. and uh, and then not different in a good way either. It was different in like a uh, they were self-differentiating, trying to pull away, but then also the way they would attack each other. And that seemed to be more of the focus. In the past, if I've seen them attack, it was usually attacking Republicans, yeah. you know, or something like that. Yeah, like the <clears throat> right. And then but even now uh and maybe even and maybe even that was kind of unnecessary i mean maybe it was just more attacking their platforms or their their different you know uh, views and things like that rather than attacking individuals and but now it's just become like well who's got the sharpest you know sharpest words yeah i don't get that man it just doesn't i don't know it just doesn't appeal to me i'm having a hard time i feel like this is going to be another election where i'm sitting there going damn it you know oh. Yeah, well and, and 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 there's no way to like fight any of this anymore right there's no there's no candidate walking out going all right i'm gonna throw in as a third party um you know here's what i've got going on there's just none of that
0: well if they did that they'd probably be a russian asset <laughs>
1: But all the fervor of the Tea Party and the Libertarians and all that stuff—it was exciting. It was exciting. I remember. I mean, that was a big deal, and I thought that that would have some influence then on the 2012 election. And it just—it was like nothing. It just, it, like you said, it, it eva- evaporated. A
0: Republican sweep of all these state houses. Yeah. And they just threw away union
1: rights. Right. And, it was weird. Oh God,
0: it makes me so angry. Yeah. And now like the libertarian party still exists but they all they do is just complain. Yeah. All fucking year long and then run someone for governor and for president. Right. Whoa!
1: We got to put somebody in there, we right? Really care. Yeah. Charlie, I don't know what to do about all this stuff.
0: We got to start a third party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. I'll get on. <laughs> I'll get <in> there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how far that'll get us. <laughs> well, well you know, whether or not everything falls and we go into a pit of, uh, <laughs> yeah. stardust, uh,
0: yeah. I think we'll still be
1: able to have these I hope so. I hope so. These were pretty good, though. I mean, longevity. I'm sorry, we were. Uh, yeah, we were not very brief today. We were. We, we had... <laughs> but you know, Star Wars is a is a big topic. Yeah, man. That was a big topic. <laughs> And then Christianity Today, and, you know, I don't generally get to talk too much about evangelicalism in that way. But it is, even for somebody who's not part of that, you know, part of that form of Christianity, it is bothersome. You know, that it's it's always lifted up. It's always the one that gets pulled into the White House. It's always the one that gets asked and... I don't understand, and it's maybe it's because it's the most American form of Christianity that there is. You know, Catholicism comes from the old world, even Lutheranism. Uh, most of the mainline Protestant denominations come from the old world, so to speak. But, but, but uh, evangelicalism is the most American form of Christianity. Maybe that's why it matters. I don't know. I mean, this Billy his way but even, but what did okay. You know, and I know everybody. I mean, you mentioned Billy Graham's name, and there, and there are people that just—you oh, got to be so careful about what you say about Billy Graham. But you know, he was a televangelist. I mean, the guy, and yeah, he did good stuff. I, I get it, but he wasn't Jesus. Yeah. He wasn't out there. I mean, he was just, and he would even be the first to say, "I'm not Jesus." So it's you know to hear his son fight back against Christianity today. Don't use my dad's name that way. Okay, Franklin, but you know what? These guys worked with Billy too. Yeah. You know, they were there. Uh, and that's just you I
0: know. know I thought it was so weird when Trump had him like lie in State.
1: Yeah. That
0: was creepy as shit. I just
1: don't think I just don't think Billy would want you know well, what I mean? Like I don't think he well, would he, want that stuff.
0: Like, for the exact reasons that we're talking about.
1: I mean, I, I, have, I, I have to imagine that, like, let's, let's, Governor Evers uh, calls me up and says, hey, uh, we'd like you to come to the state house and, and uh, I don't know, we'd like you to be our chaplain or something and, and do stuff for us. So I'd be like, oh. You know, I, I mean, I can see how that would be a tempting offer. But at the same time, I just could never ever see doing it. I don't know how he did it. I just, I really don't know how he saw opportunity there. Um, hmm. Anyway. Religion and politics, it's a its a goofy game, and it's one I would just as soon stay out of. Yeah. Keep them separate. Well, I hope you so. right. <laughs> we should sign off, I suppose, huh? All
0: right. Well, hey, thank you for uh, coming to this nameless aim with
1: us. Yeah. Um, this was probably the most aimless, I think. We did a good job with that. Yeah. Stuck true to the name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, right. So if you stuck around for all three hours... <laughs> God bless you. Uh, Emperor yeah, <laughs> Palpatine bless you. Stay tuned,
0: follow us, and other
2: things. We'll
1: see you again. Bye-bye.